FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 53 of the podcast It Goes Snicked. It's time for a new flashback episode, so I'm joined once again by co-host Cameron Hovercraft Revenge Sinclair. <laughs> and of course, I'm your host, Jason Psionic Nexus Venable. I like yours better. <laughs> That's pretty good. pretty good. I think we should get some kind of uh, flashback theme song or something. Like a different opening? Yeah, or just oh, okay. like flashback. <laughs> it sounds like Flash Gordon, but you added back to it. <laughs> but you know, uh, something like that. Yeah. Why don't you get that mic up uh, where you can... Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Yeah, that's better. Verizon. Uh, yeah. Is that Verizon? Yeah, I think so. Uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I don't have Verizon, so... <laughs> We're not endorsing, unless they want to sponsor us, in which case, I'll wear a Horizon t-shirt. <laughs> Verizon. I'll, I'll switch my I, cell I just, service. I just lost it anyway because I called them the wrong name. So they, they were they were about ready to sign the check to cover next month's uh, bandwidth, and they're like, "Oh no, nope. no!" Nope, you called us Horizon. Horizon. We'll sponsor. We'll sponsor some other podcast. Yeah, or maybe you were just being um, facetious, being feminist about it. It's not Verizon. It's Horizon. What you said, Horizon. Get it. <laughs> that took me a second. <laughs> her eyes, right, 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 right. It's not history; it's herstory, right? You heard that? Oh one? wow! How many women to live with you? <laughs> Just saying, it's there. It's out there. There's a, yeah. there's a market for it. All right. Well, someday we will tap into that market. But for today, we're gonna not today we're gonna talk about some old comic books. So this episode is gonna focus on Uncanny X Men one seventeen to one nineteen, which. With one little interlude, covers uh, Wolverine's first published trip to Japan. Of course, there's been all kinds of things that have been his real first time to Japan. And this is the first time we see him go. Exactly. So, that's how we're going to treat as it. As an X-Man, anyway, I guess. Yes, as specify an X-Man. that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so we'll talk to that. But before we get to that, you know, I, I talked with Denise during one of our regular episodes about the Wolverine movie, but I haven't got a chance to really sit down and talk with Cameron about the Wolverine movie, and I wanted to. So, um, just for a minute, or a few minutes here, we're going to talk about uh, the Wolverine movie for my flashback audience, because I know there's some of you that only listen... <laughs> no, I really... Some of you have actually told me, I only listen to the flashback episodes, which is fine. Listen to what you want. But now you're going to hear about the movie. There you go. So, Cameron, what did you, uh, what did you think of the movie? It's good. <laughs> just kidding no I, I liked it a lot I, I yeah, was I, uh, I wasn't quite sure where they'd go with it I kind of I, I, I did, when I heard they were doing a new one I was I was torn between wanting them to just kind of jettison all that had happened in X-Men 3 and just kind of do something either a past story like Origins had been but right. much better than Origins was <laughs> or in, do better. something just ir- unrelated to the X-Men movies Okay. I thought they did a pretty good job of they kept with X Men three, but they didn't they didn't really dwell on it, so it, it worked to me. It was like it's okay. They you, referenced it, but it wasn't really like a plot point. Right. And they referenced only the stuff 
I don't know that this was deliberate, but the stuff they reference was the stuff that wasn't terrible about X Men Three, <laughs> right? Right. So it's like the stuff that was that I disliked about X Men Three, you know, everyone dying, things like that. Um, I they didn't really deal with that, so right. it didn't. You know, you, the idea of Jean Grey being dead, although the the dream stuff with her, I thought was a little weird, but I felt like I liked it the first time. Yeah, and then that probably could have been it. I agree with that. Yeah, I don't. I, I've heard a lot of people really, really hate on it, and I don't hate it. Yeah, it being in there, but I definitely they could have they could have trimmed it down a little bit. I yeah, probably would have been happier. I think that's a good that's a good point. It's really overplayed. The idea of him, especially when he's in the woods at the beginning, I, that that actually almost makes sense. That's right. almost pretty. Decent. He's by himself. Right, he's, he's by be himself. About he's, her. Yeah, he's drift off, drifting off in his mind. He's he's out there because he's so distraught about her death, about everything that happened. So it kind of right. makes sense that he would kind of, I guess, create this dream world, whatever, yeah. with her. I don't. I guess. I guess the writers of the movie felt like they had to give that part of his subconscious closure. And I guess as a viewer, I didn't really feel like it was necessary. Yeah. Like I realized enough from the relationship we saw with Mariko or Mariko, sorry. Um, that I didn't need for him to like have a scene where he points out that he's over Jean Grey. Right. He and didn't plus, need to stop loving her in order right. to well, love that Mariko. too. Like you don't have to, especially not, since she's dead. It's not a hundred percent either or. Like right. you don't have to completely forget the memory of somebody to move on. You can keep that part of them in your heart and and still have all of your love for somebody else. So. Yeah. Well, especially since she'd passed, she died, right? right? It's different if you, you got divorced or something and right. he left her and now he's moving on. So he's got to get over her. Right. Or she's, I don't know. Yeah. It, was, it was a weird, it was just unnecessary. I guess the way right. to put it. I felt like it was, it was, it wasn't terrible, but it was just kind of unnecessary. Yeah. Now I will say <laughs> in a, in a weird way, some of this movie it accomplished something I didn't think was possible. And then I kind of want to rewatch X3. And I never thought I'd say that. <laughs> if, you know, if I hadn't... I haven't seen it since the theater. If I hadn't watched it a couple months ago, I probably would feel the same oh, way. I okay. watched it a couple of months oh, ago. Yeah? And it is it is better than I remember it. That's awesome. Don't say it about Spider-Man 3. <laughs> but it's true. You keep saying it's it and one of these days I'm going to punch it's you in the face. It's still not a good movie. It's but still it's, a horrible movie. But it's not terrible. nearly I'm as sorry, bad. I'm sorry, Tobey Maguire. It's terrible. <laughs> it is bad. I apologize to Tobey Maguire. What's he done lately? Well, no, I haven't seen Gatsby yet. So maybe. Gatsby was very good. Okay. I want to see it. I love the book. Yes. No, um, I, I really liked the new Gatsby. So this isn't about the Gatsby. But, no, it's not. But I'm sure someone out there was wondering, what does the snicked guy think about right. the dead Gatsby? <laughs> so. Well, for the record, I love F. Scott Fitzgerald. One yes. of my favorite authors. The book is very good. And this movie I thought was a lot better than the, the 70s one. Really? Which that one had th- had good things about it. Yeah. But it was kind of boring overall. Yeah. Whereas this one was very, what I what I think the 20s was like, which is kind of a, a hedonistic abandon. Right. Which I thought made more sense. But anyway. Yeah. But well, yes. Anyway, so, Wolverine. so Wolverine movie. Well, so I liked it. Uh, one of the things, because... You want to like, just talk about what you like? You want to address criticisms and kind of well, debunk or affirm? Or, okay, so one of the things that a lot of people talk about is that they thought the movie was boring. Oh, I didn't, th- I didn't and think I didn't so. think so at all. I thought it was a slow burn at times, but I thought the character development was really interesting. But also my counteract or counter uh, argument to that or whatever is that we get the claws early and we get the claws pretty often. 
Yeah. Um, so there's a lot. There's there is a lot of dialogue, but there's also a lot of fighting. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, we can see Wolverine actually like stick his claws into ninjas, and yeah. no, it's not overly bloody or overly gory, but he's cutting people up. Yeah, people are dying. Yeah, and quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. No, I I, would, I I did. There was no point in the movie where I felt. I felt like it was really dragging. No. And I, you know, granted, I like more boring movies than I guess. But a lot yeah, of it's kind of, I've so given that disclaimer before. Too, that's kind of a, is that, I don't mind movies that have no action at all. Right. <laughs> so, but to me, I thought the, the story, there was enough going on in the story that you needed that much dialogue. Because yes. I don't think it would have made any sense. If you had, if you hurried it up and you switched out a few dialogue scenes for a few extra action scenes. I don't think the story would have made sense, which for, you know, some fans, I guess that's fine. They don't care about the storyline making sense. They just want to see, you know, blood and guts and someone getting cut up. Right. But I, you know, I liked the story a lot, so I thought the development was good. I didn't, I don't know, that's just weird. To me, there was a ton of action, I thought. I mean, just just the scene alone on the on the, the subway, train. on the top yeah. of the subway. The that was bullet train. That scene, that scene went on forever, <laughs> which I really liked it. I didn't think but it was I too like, long. No, I didn't really think it was too long. It was, no, watch, it was just a long scene. You want to talk about long action scenes? Go see Man of Steel. There's some <laughs> yes. long-ass action scenes in there that are repetitive and go on forever and ever. That's what you've said. So I, I, I agree. I mean, I'm sure that's the case. No, and I don't, I'm not saying it's too long. It just was a long scene. Yeah. I thought it was a long a long scene of that playing out. But yeah, but yeah no, I I don't agree with that, I guess. Yeah. So, uh, so whoever still, said that. Uh, well, lots, lots of different, lots of critics have said that. Yeah, I still think Jackman. And I've said this before, but he just—I'll say it every chance I get. Jackman owns that role. Nailed it. Nailed again. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, agree. He embodies Wolverine on screen. I know. Even if, even if I feel like he should be a little shorter and a little thicker, <laughs> he's not exactly the right body it's type. It's kind of a slim it, version. It doesn't really matter. I mean, he's but yeah, so, it works. It works. I don't know. I feel, and part of it is just to Jackman's credit, he is a really good actor. But I feel like I'm watching Wolverine. Like, yeah. I feel like that's him. So, yeah, I agree. So, what do you think of uh, Yukio being a mutant? Uh, I kind of liked it. I, th- I thought her yeah. character was pretty cool. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I enjoyed. it. I didn't really. I don't know if it Pre- always served a purpose. Yeah, I, I, I'm not. I've never been a big fan of of mutants that have like precognitive powers. Yeah, or it's like future predicting stuff like that. Right. It doesn't. You know, and this of course is me trying to put boundaries to something that's completely created. Right. But I, I don't think that makes sense. The idea that someone could tell the future as a mutant power. Right. I also feel like. But that's a whole. You can't have a mutant precog without falling into all the precog tropes. Oh, yeah, and the biggest true. trope that, that was really in this movie is the idea that they see something horrible, but and it happens, but it's not really what they right. saw. They didn't like, see the they, whole picture. Right, right. They saw it like through tunnel vision, kind of. Yeah. Like, like with, and by the way, I mean this podcast is super spoilery anyway, but but big time spoiler. Like she sees the part in the scene where she sees him holding his own heart and just assumes, oh, he must be dead. Yeah. Where we actually see him hold his heart, but he's just because he's ripping out that worm. Which I thought that scene was pretty cool. That was a pretty cool scene. It's pretty hardcore. That was a pretty cool scene. Yeah, I I mean, pretty much every movie where there's someone who tells predicts the future, that's what happens, right? Right. They predict the future, kind of miss it. Right. They don't see the whole picture. Right. And they get it right, so their power still works. Yeah, it's not wrong. (laughs) Just not right either. Yeah. Just yeah. Yeah. I thought that was weird. I. 
She was a good character. And I, I guess I, I liked I the fact that she was, she was. Definitely. I kind of liked the fact that she was a mutant. Yeah. I didn't necessarily, not crazy about the power. Right. I don't know what other power I would give her, but the precog thing, again, I thought it was kind of weird, but, but right. the, the idea of her being a mutant, I liked that just because I thought that idea of her being adopted and kind of brought in. See, I like that too, because that, that's for the comic book purist, because in the course of the comic, Yukio is not part of the family. She's just an assassin for hire. Right. And I kind of liked the way they played the relationship between her and Mariko. Yeah. Well, it made her it made her role make more sense. Right. At least in the movie, in the con- yeah. not so much in the comic, but in the movie, it made her role make more sense in this context. Right. For a one-contained story. Right. And, For and why her- she cares. Right. Why she sticks around. Why she does so much. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, that scene at the the funeral was amazing. So um. That was a good scene. Do you hate Viper as much as I did? I. I didn't like Viper. I, I thought the actress was horrible and the character was unnecessary. The actress was horrible. It took me. I I'm still trying to figure out who that actress is. Oh, I don't. And know. what else I've seen her in? I've seen her in something else, and it's dry. It's been driving me nuts since I've seen the movie, and I'm I'm hoping I'll think of it here oh, in a second. I didn't need be that shit. I think I did and couldn't figure it out. Oh. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I just thought her lines were really flat and cardboard stand up. Yeah. Not to hate on someone for uh, getting paid and doing their job. and Yeah, and I, I didn't think it was terrible, but mm, I mean, I just, I'm not and a fan I've of her seen, character anyway, I've seen so. better produced, like, shedding of snakeskin on a person in X-Files than was that scene in that movie. Yeah, it was a little uh, V-looking. Yeah. The, not the old V, not the new V. She's been in 33 things. Uh, she was in Metro and a bunch of foreign stuff. Yeah. Oh, but you saw Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy, didn't you? Yeah, but I didn't finish it. Oh, okay. That's not what I'm remembering her from. Right. I think it's a TV show, and I may it may not, it may not even be the same actress. You're running out of English stuff, so <coughs> it may not even be the same actress. Films. Yeah, she may just look like someone that I'm that yeah. I'm remembering. But anyway, the the point of that, um, the one thing that I noticed, and I'll just this will make me sound kind of dumb, but I'm gonna say it anyway. It took me. A good ten minutes to get that Wolverine was losing her power because of what she had given him in the oh. scene of the funeral. Because in the scene of the funeral, when he first gets shot with that shotgun and he's and he's hurt, right? I was like, "Why is he? That shouldn't bother him. He's been <laughs> hurt before. Why are they doing this?" And it, right. it took me at least maybe 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 not quite ten minutes, but it took me a while to be like, "Because well, I, I thought they were just making a thing where it was hurt him a lot more." And I was like, yeah. "This is dumb." And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. He's been hurting. <laughs> well, so what did you think of him? Him kind of, he really loses the healing factor, but it was definitely yeah. hampered by the, the, the little, whatever that was. The, the, whatever she gave him. Yeah, a the little, little ro- worm. robot worm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I liked that they didn't have him lose his power. Because I think then he would just die. Yeah. Right? All like, those shots. Like when Superman, and, and what is it, Superman 2, where he, lo- where he gives up his power and he goes to the bar. Right. And he gets beat up. Yeah, and then he goes back to the bar when he's Superman and beats the guy up. Right. It's, I I thought about that when it, when I when I thought about him losing his power. I thought about that, and I'm glad they didn't go in that route. And it was more just it weakened him right. enough to where he's still a badass and he's still he's still kicking a lot of ass. Right. But he's not invincible Wolverine, where he just right. massacres everybody easily <laughs> with nothing happening. Right. Yeah. So 
One thing that I did find weird, and this is kind of an action movie trope, I guess, was how many bad guys there were. Uh, especially how, when he goes to like their fortress or whatever. Yeah, well, and uh, uh, Mariko's ex boyfriend or whatever. Yeah, well, the fact like, that there's that like many ninjas was ninjas, strange. Yeah, but I meant yeah, but that too. But even early, but earlier, I thought about this in the 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 funeral scene and after, and you have all these these guys who are supposed to be the the gang member guys, the, the, Yakuza. the Yakuza guys. Which, by the way, all right, so is it just me, or do they pronounce Yakuza like nine different ways in that movie? <laughs> I didn't and notice. I think Jack Wolverine the first time says Yaksa. Yeah. I think, or something like that. I don't it was, know. It was weird. He may have just been saying it wrong. Like, that's what I was trying to figure out if, he was, if they were saying it wrong or like there's just different like slang words, you know, like. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Gangster or gangsta. Like, you know. <laughs> you sound really white when you did that. Hey, I, I am really white. <laughs> no, I just, there were so many of those guys. They just kind of kept coming out of the woodworks. And I felt like, I felt like Wolverine was literally killing all of them, but none of them seemed to be dying. <laughs> At least in that that scene, right? I mean, he was right. he was slicing those guys. What you know would have been in half total death kit, death stabs and stuff. Right. But it didn't seem like anybody was dying much anyway. And I was I was bothered by that a little bit, which yeah. is kind of dumb. But but that's like your classic action movie where the gun never runs out of bullets and the right. so. But I, I thought it was kind of funny how many guys he keeps fighting these guys and what should kill all of them. But yeah. So did you see? I guess the twist. Uh, did you see it coming, or were you generally surprised by that? Which twist? Uh, as far as the grandpa being alive and in the Silver Samurai. Army. No, I figured that out. Yeah, I, I did too. I thought that was pretty. <laughs> I thought that was pretty well telegraphed. Yeah, well, they just say, by the the little drawings of the armor. Yeah, well, even before that, they he called himself the Silver Samurai. Like in the early part of the movie, he said something about his family and the Silver Samurai. Right. So I was like, oh, he's going to try to come back. It's that. This is the idea of him trying to get the healing right. factor so he can continue. I didn't really see the boyfriend. I th- I did think he was on the side of, of Mariko, which I guess he ultimately was. But yeah. I, didn't catch, I, didn't, I didn't see that coming, that he was actually working with Viper. I also, that was one, one thing I didn't like about the movie. It's not really, this is a small point. But his transition to where then he then turned on the grandpa, I thought was oddly quick. Yeah. Like Mariko was... stabs him, and then he's like, oh, wait, this isn't what we should be doing. Because <laughs> like, it seems like if someone just stabbed you, you'd be mad at them and right. would be more likely to support the other side. But yeah, I, don't I don't know. I guess it was just trying to give him a, give him some honor at the very last. Right. But yeah. yeah, overall, I'm, I mean. It was really good. I, really, I like the scene where Wolverine throws a guy off the balcony. Yeah. And she's like, how did you know there was a pool down there? And like, yeah. I did it, which, which I, I feel like I've seen a scene similar to that in a bunch of movies, but yeah. I, I thought it worked really well. Yeah, I thought um, so too. I actually liked the part where he got his claws cut off. be interesting to see in Days of Future Path. I'm assuming uh, Magneto's just going to like put more adamantium on his claws since they grew back bone. I guess, yeah. Um, It'll be interesting. But um, So what but do they, you think? They may go back for that. Oh, that maybe. may not that may not happen after. So you think future Wolverine may still have bone claws? No, I kind of think that they'll just ignore that. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, I kind of think right. they'll just skip over that, and and you'll just have to assume either that he got more adamantium. Right. I would say that it happened before between the two movies, but he would be in the right. woods with big beard, so I guess not. But right. I'm I'm still pretty uh, not skeptical is not the right word, but I'm I'm. 
I'm, I'm not quite sure how this optimistic. is going to work out. It's, it looks messy. It yeah. could still it can be a good mess. Oh yeah, it could be. But but it looks messy. There's there's a lot of opportunity for them to mess this up really. I badly. could see how this could be a great comic. I'm not I'm not convinced it'll make a great movie. Yeah. But we'll see. I mean there's a lot yeah, of we'll good a lot of good actors. I hope um, they prove me wrong. I hope that it's amazing. I did like in the end credit uh when Wolverine opts out of the metal detector. Oh, yeah. And the airport. And then it reminded me, especially having just watched uh, the first X- X-Men movie, where they go into the Statue of Liberty and he sets off the metal detector. And yeah. he's like, F this. And he stabs it, like, <laughs> cuts it. Yeah. So I thought that was a nice little parallel. So the other, I guess, kind of main criticism that actually, I agree with this one, but it doesn't bother me as much as it seems to bother some other people, is that I feel like the scene after Viper captures Wolverine like the movie changes tone. What do you mean? I mean, it goes from being like a really kind of thoughtful character. It's still an action movie, but like a a deep kind of thoughtful character study to like just straight up comic book movie. And yeah, it, all the that. seriousness kind of falls out of it. It becomes very. I feel like most of the cliches happen in the last thirty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know. That's. But I didn't really, it didn't really bother me that much because I also, I like both kinds of movies. I agree there was definitely a change of tone, but yeah. I just kind of took it for what it was. Yeah, I, I thought, I don't know, that's a good that's a good point. I didn't really think about it at the time. It does because you, then you go to this secret lab and he's got right. his arms tied up. Yeah, it just becomes very sci-fi. And I did the feel like... The Silver Samurai being the giant robot. Yeah, I, did, I didn't really like the Silver Samurai thing. I didn't like it being that big. I didn't like that it was so big, yeah. and I thought it was very anticlimactic. Cause it I was, do, too. It I seems know. like that should have been a much bigger thing early on. Right. And actually, I take it back. You said if I saw it all coming. I actually thought that the sun was going to be the Silver Samurai. Oh, okay. At, for a little bit. I thought, especially when he got, when after Mariko left... And he was going to get his samurai suit. I thought he was about to become the Silver Samurai. You no, know, I did back. too. Yeah. And now you say that. But then I... But before that, I thought it was a grandpa. Yeah. And then I guess by the time we got to it, I had forgotten about that moment. Yeah. I did know that the grandfather wasn't really dead. Right. But I, I guess I thought it was the son was going to be the Silver Samurai and the grandfather was just going to be healing himself somehow. Right. Yeah. The, I don't know. The big mech warrior, the idea of a yeah. mech warrior. I, I thought that was kind of weird. But. That would have been... Uh, I, also because it was unnecessary. I mean, it didn't really need to be a giant robot. No. Because he's getting his powers. Why he needed to drill into... I mean, I... Well, he's trying to get into the bone marrow. I mean, I get that, but why it needed to be that way? Why did his fist need to go onto oh. Wolverine's fist to drill in? I mean, that didn't... Yeah, really, yeah. That seemed was just pretty unnecessary. <laughs> I guess it seemed like a... I don't know, an, an awkward way to let's set this up where I have to hold my arms stretched out right. into your outstretched arms... And then we're going to link up like a docking system. I, I guess. But that's like the last 10 minutes, right? So right. the whole movie is great. And then you have kind of a little weirdness. At the well, end. I almost feel like that was almost like um, the backup plan, <laughs> which is like a really, you know, kind of you get this in, in comic book movies, particularly because you get this in comic books with the right. really like detailed why would you ever think of this scenario backup plan? <laughs> I think originally they were going to cut his claws off in the chair. 
Right. Probably Viper or anybody could have come in and, and stuck a syringe into the bone. Right. And got what they needed. So for him to have like this backup plan, so like, oh, well, what if Wolverine escapes? I better, <laughs> I better put some drills in my hands. Yeah. So if I have to cut his claws off while he's running around, I can still get what I need. The the only other part I really kind of, actually the only part besides Viper that I really kind of hated was that when Wolverine in the beginning scene gets blown up and his healing factor comes in, his hair grows in exactly how it left. Like he's shaven in the same parts. Yeah. And if it's going to heal and grow back, first of all, I think it should be a little bit slower. Personally, I like his healing factor not quite that fast. That's that's just a personal thing. That's fine. Yeah, Um, I I agree with you, though. And the fact that his hair grows out completely on top and the sideburns, but then his chin and his mustache are just regular. Well, and especially because he has a beard later. It's not like that's the only way his hair is. Right. He later has a beard, so you know that that's not. Right. You know it grows there. I thought that was was kind of silly, too. Right. But no, overall, I liked it quite a bit. Definitely the other criticism I have, I think, is mostly the studio's fault. Uh, they talked a lot about it being based on the Claremont Miller miniseries. Yeah. And so I think some people had really high expectations of it kind of matching up, and it really wasn't, which I kind of took that with a grain of salt anyway, because I feel like, I think I kind of said this before, movies based on comic books are the same as movies based on regular books. Yeah. And sometimes they're close, and sometimes there's like a page that's the same. So I kind of don't really ever put too much stock into that and get too built up over that. It definitely was not the same, and the stuff that was influenced was fairly different and changed up. So if that's what you wanted, it's definitely not what you got. Yeah. Overall, though, I thought it was a pretty good movie. So uh, I kind of already gave my claw rating when I talked about it with Denise, but I'll say again, you know, even kind of thinking about it, looking back on it, I'm going to give The Wolverine three out of three claws. What do you give it? The movie? Yeah. Yeah, I'll give it three out of three, too. All right. So cool. let me ask you a different question. Okay. Of the X-Men movies, where would you rank it? All right, well... Have you done that? No, not yet. All right, so I just rewatched the first one. Yeah. Which, if you haven't listened to the 50th episode yet, you should. But uh, Stop right now. Stop, no. Turn this off. <laughs> right. Go back. Right, listen to that. And then come back. Then come back. Start Fast this one over again. forward to where this is. <laughs> um, no, but, but that held up really well. To me, anyway, mm-hmm. personally. All right, so before I saw this movie, the order in my head was X-Men 2. Uh, was it X-Men... United. United. Yeah. Which I think in the in the 50th episode I called X-Men 3 United by mistake, so I apologize for that. Yeah, X-Men 3 Last Stand. Last Stand, yeah. But uh, So X2 is in theory my favorite. be interesting to see if I watch it again now after really liking number one again, how that goes. Yeah. But, but in my head right now, uh, it's X2, X-Men from 2000, um, Wolverine Origins, and then X3. So then I would stick this what new. About the new one? Well, that's what I'm saying. I would or stick the this. one before, not not the newest. Oh, one first before. class. Oh, I forgot yeah, about first, class. Think about first class. Ooh, that's tough. Um, I kind of want to give it a tie with X one. So let's see. Um, I would probably do X two first class X Men Origin Wolverine X three, and then I would stick this Wolverine movie. Man, um, that's a hard question. Hard-hitting news. Between 
first class in X1. See, I don't know if I like it more than X-Men 1 or not. There are parts... Up until he gets captured, I would say probably yes. Um, I don't know. As to uh, either either between First Class and X Men or right after X Men, but definitely much better than Origins or X Three. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm just gonna say for now, and this could change over time. But I'm, I'm gonna put it third right now behind <laughs> X Two and First Class. That sounds good. Now, if I watch X Two again, I might change all that order, but. Yeah. But right now. I think you might. But. Yeah? Does it not stand up as much? Um, It's good. It's still very good. Yeah. But it's not as good as I remembered. I watched okay. it two, a couple weeks ago, I think. Yeah. And I was watching it on TV. Right. So it was a little edited, a little different. It's still a great movie. I would, my, for those who are desperate to know my ranking. Oh, I want to know. You brought it up. I brought it up. So I would, first class for me, that's, that's my favorite. Okay. Right now. That at least... From what I remember from the ones I haven't seen, that's my favorite one. I would put, I'd still put X2 second. Okay. Because it's still a great movie. But there's a few things about it that I, things that bothered me when I first saw it, bothered me more now. See, that's weird because I don't remember anything. I'm sure something did, right? Well, yeah. I I wasn't, the the way they did the Weapon X stuff with Nightcrawler being part of it. Oh, right, right, and right. And the whole stuff with the... See, that was based on Ultimate X-Men. It was, yeah. yeah. And I and I, I just didn't like that as much. Right. To me, it just, I didn't like that as much. Yeah. Um, the Striker's son, that whole thing. Maybe I just don't remember very much. <laughs> Maybe not. That that was creepier than I remembered it being. Okay. So I don't know. It's still a good... It's still, yeah. like I said, still number two. Um, I, yeah, I don't know for me either for X-Men, the first X-Men or, or or this one. I'd probably put this one third above okay. the first X-Men, mainly just because I like samurai stuff a lot. Yeah, so, I do too. To me, I think... I think I think the first 70% of the Wolverine movie was just really, really fantastic. And I, I like X-Men 1, and I have watched that one in a long time, so maybe I need to watch it again. But I, I remember, especially after watching X2, going back and watching the first one, I remember feeling like the story was was still good, but a little... Hokey? A little hokey. Yeah, yeah. it is. So, yeah, so for me, that one, and then and then Origins, and then X3. Yeah. Origins... Origins is, is not as good... In any of the levels, but it's the same thing. If you chop off the end of that, yeah. I'm a lot more okay with it than I am with the way it ended. Yeah, that I agree. ending was stupid. If yeah, if you took out the ending and you took out all of the stupid stuff with Deadpool becoming uh, Katana Blade Hands guy, right? If you took all that out, I would probably if you leave make Deadpool. It, Deadpool. <laughs> yeah, it would probably for me it would go above the first X Men. Wow, okay. I think because I love the opening sequence. The opening montage is great. It's one of the and best montages. I love montages Lee Shriver as I do too. as, as uh, Sabretooth. I don't, I don't. He doesn't look anything like Sabretooth. No, no, he doesn't. <laughs> but he, the Physically, way he played Sabretooth, yeah. I thought was just so complete. I just perfect. he's a really good actor. Yeah, he is, yeah. and just I don't know. There's something about that that was so perfect. So to me, but yeah, but then but yeah, the Deadpool stuff was so stupid. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. Okay, cool. So we both obviously really liked Wolverine, and we both ended up putting it third. There you go. In the current X-Men franchise. So we'll see what this new one. Yeah, we have Days of Future Past coming out next year. When is that released? Next year? Yeah. 
next summer. 2014. Yeah, I think so. I think so, yeah. And then, of course, we'll the see. on the docket is supposedly a new X-Force movie is going to be the next. Oh, wow. Is it going to be like original X-Force? Uh, or like the- they're saying it's going to be five, a team of five. And confirmed are Cable and Deadpool. Interesting. But is it no going to be Ryan know. Reynolds again, though? Mm, we don't know. I don't mind if it is. I felt like the part he did when he was just the agent works. Yeah, I agree. So, and he's he's kind of, he plays the, I mean, that's Deadpool's character. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. comic, he's just kind of a smart-ass. Smart-ass, murky guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I could, I think, I liked that. Yeah, it was the, all the stuff at the end that was so stupid about right. Deadpool. You can't blame Reynolds for that. No, you can't, because he wasn't there anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah. yeah, so so Cable and Deadpool. I wonder yeah. if Wolverine will be on it. I don't know. He's been he's he was the in the last incarnation of X Force. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was wondering if it was gonna be but that's a totally different group of people. Yeah, but they said they're gonna probably mix teams. Kind of blend them. So So maybe we'll get Warpath. Possibility. Maybe. He's in uh he's in uh Days of Future Past. Is he? Oh yeah. interesting. Is it gonna be Kickin' Wing from uh Joe Dirt? I don't, I don't think, I think so. he's big enough. <laughs> I don't think he's big enough to be a... No. And I'm wondering, do you think, because did you notice there's a... Uh, it's not at all to sound even remotely racist. I'm only, <laughs> I'm always saying this because I'm looking for Easter eggs. There was a black guy with dreads that walked through the metal detector before Wolverine in the airport in the closing scene. Huh. I don't know if it was a guy that's playing Bishop or not. I don't know. Interesting. So I and thought Bishop, Bishop was a character that that was so awesome and just got ruined. Oh yeah, and they even ruined him more later. And they're they're trying to redeem him right now, but in a book that's not very good. Yeah, it's too bad. <laughs> so yeah, I remember when they the first I don't know several years of Bishop. I remember just thinking he was just a fantastic character, and then yeah. he just got weird. <laughs> yeah, they kind of lost his like... mission, and they just it just kind of got became a weird character. Right. Anyway. Well, so maybe I should move this to the end when I'm editing, but um, <laughs> we'll see. Um, anyway, let's uh, let's jump into the comics. That's All what right. that's what the people are here for. So let's do it. Okay, so first up is going to be the Uncanny X Men number one seventeen. Flashback. Yep. <laughs> I'll never do that again. <laughs> oh no, you're doing it every time. All right, so uh, let's do the credits first. This is going to be written. Or uh, plotted by Chris Claremont and John Byrne, with the script by Chris Claremont, pencils by John Byrne, inks by Terry Austin, and who's the original letterer there? Clem Roberts is what I. Okay, Clem Robbins or Roberts? Or, yeah, Robbins. Sorry. Robbins. And Glennis Wine is a colorist, and the cover is by Dave Cockrum. And on the cover we have a looks like Clayface from Batman the Animated Series. <laughs> I was going to say Jabba the Hutt. But Jabba the Hutt, yeah. Yeah, either one. Holding a Silver Surfer. <laughs> and Silver Surfer is screaming without a surfboard. Oh, he's, he look it's uh, peach on the on the digital one. Oh, uh, okay. It doesn't look silver. Oh, well, never mind then. Um, and then we have the floating heads of Cyclops, Storm, and Nightcrawler. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's completely flesh-toned. Yeah, flesh-toned. That's the word I was thinking of. Interesting. He actually looks like Professor X. Yeah. What a novel concept. All right, and then we have the floating heads of uh, Cyclops, Storm, and Nightcrawler. And this is touted as Cywar, the saga of Professor X. So what do you think of this cover? I'm not a big fan of it. I don't like it. It's kind of weird. And I know that at this point in Marvel history, that Cockrum has kind of quit drawing books. 
to be yeah. kind of the Marvel Comics cover artist du jour. Artiste. Yeah. And that's fine. I don't mind him doing some covers. And he's done some good covers. But we just had five issues in a row of John Byrne covers. Yeah. John Byrne's drawn the book. His covers have been pretty good overall. I'm not real excited about returning back to Cochrane for a nice little long string of issues here. <laughs> yeah. I, it's just a weird cover. It's, the art's not bad. No, it's not bad. It's the just... Three Floating heads is kind of dumb. Right. The monster is stupid looking, I think. Right. Professor and, X is kind of cool looking. Not on yours, but on no. mine. It's pretty. <laughs> that that part of it is kind of cool, but the rest of the the, the cover, I think, is kind of lame. Yeah. No, yeah, not, not a big fan of the cover. It's okay. All right, so when last we saw the X-Men, they were leaving the Savage Land and they got caught in the storm. That's right. Okay. So that's where we are. All right, so in this one, the X-Men are caught in a storm still. That's where we pick back up. Between Antarctica and South America, where they're rescued by a Japanese research ship. That's pretty much all they do. (laughs) So then we switch over, and Gene and Professor X are very sad that the X-Men are quote-unquote dead. We get a bunch of Professor X flashbacks, and then we get a long flashback where he's in love with Moira. She breaks it off while he's at war. That's not very nice. <laughs> and he runs around and, and kind of globe trotters and ends up... Eat, pray, love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's, all, let's have a cry fest real fast. <laughs> but he ends up in Cairo. A young storm picks his pocket. He has an astral plane duel with Amal Farak and discovers, wait a second, there's evil mutants out there. I had no idea. But he beats... For rock and decides, and we go back to the present, and Lelandra talks him into going to space with her. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I don't even really have that much to say about this. Um, I thought it was interesting that and they actually explain why Storm was not able to defeat the Storm. That she's still learning her powers. Yes, I thought because we commented on that that the last you know, time, yeah, yeah, right. why why she couldn't do anything about it. So I thought that was a nice touch to kind of say, hey, she's. She is She's doing growing, just, developing, learning yeah. how to use everything. So that's cool. I like how they fit in the, the Cairo scene square into the X-Men timeline with Professor X. And that's how it ties in with like Storm and Professor X's history. And he talked about having a previous history with Moira. So it mm-hmm. all kind of ties together. Bringing them together. Right. So then that part was cool. And that's really kind of the only part I thought was cool. Now, what do you think about it? I actually kind of liked it all. Really? Okay. Yeah. I, did, I mean, I didn't... It's not the greatest, but... Well, are we doing play-by-play, or you just want to kind of do a quick overview? I didn't really have that much to comment uh, on. Well, I just throw a couple things out but real if quick, you knew, and then I'll talk it. about what I liked. Yeah. But one thing I thought was weird, what I didn't like, is him... Is the whole thing of Lalandra convincing him to go. I thought that kind of made sense. I guess. It's like, let's move on. I don't know. I didn't... <laughs> well, first of all, the idea that, that now he's sulking in a room, and... The, <laughs> dark room by himself the with dark the fire room by himself yeah. and the princess of the universe is trying to figure out how to make him coffee. I thought that was oddly, I don't know, oddly gender <laughs> With the bagel in. things. <laughs> yeah. I, I, really I always think it's really dumb when people like, I don't mind kind of exploring a new language or like new objects, new culture. Right. Say I go to a, because Lelandra talks about how all this technology is beneath her, right? Right. 
right? So say I go to another planet, and everybody just only has landlines. Yeah. Okay. I'm not. If they have, or not, not, I'm trying to think of a good analogy. I'm, I'm floundering here. It's dumb this is to be me. Your worst podcast ever. <laughs> yes, it really is. <laughs> it's dumb to me that she's learned what a bagel is called, but she calls it a bagel thing. Right? To me, she's going to call it a something thing. She would use a she-ar word for something that's similar to a bagel yes. and say, this is a blah-blah-blah thing. It's like that. But she knows it's called a bagel, or she wouldn't call it a bagel thing. So why is she saying bagel? I I think I, I know what Chris Claremont's going for. I just think it's really dumb. Yeah, I agree. Although, I don't know. I, I think maybe... A word, the ba- the word bagel, she doesn't know what that, that word means nothing to her. So someone says, these are bagels. All right. Know, but if you say, you say this is a phone, I mean, I don't know, maybe I might say it's a phone thingy if I'm being silly, but I'm not going to be like, yeah. well, this phone thing, like, I don't know, what'd you call it? A phone? I just said that. Oh, wow. I don't know. But I don't think it's worth exploring anymore. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Not to hijack your own podcast. But. No, move me on. <laughs> move me to outer space. So, all right. So I, I kind of liked the backstory of Professor X. Yeah, no, that part was I would completely cool. forgotten that he'd fought in the Korean War. I just completely forgot that was part of his oh, backstory. Oh, yeah, what if that's been retconned to a different war? To Vietnam. I yeah, feel like Vietnam has, or Iraq or... <laughs> yeah, now. Now the first Gulf War, I don't know. Right. Yeah. I always wonder about that with the Punisher, too. Yeah. Like, is he really 70, or did he just find a different <laughs> war? Right, yeah. They just kind of moved him along. I would assume at some point they'll... I, I bet I would I would venture, and I haven't read any of the... the since they relaunched him a while back, I never read They're really talking... They are talking about him being a, a veteran. Yeah. I wonder if... Well, I guess that's how they deal with it. They just don't mention the war. Right. It's probably the best way to go, because then you know, yeah. time Although, constraint. To be honest, so much of the, the what came from him... Yeah, it's really Vietnam It's very specific. Vietnam-y. Yeah. You know, the, the whole coming home, and it seemed very... It may yeah. not work as well with the, you know, in the support... It almost just needs to be a new character, to be honest. Yeah. I, think I, I just kill the Punisher and make a new one. It's not Frank Castle. It shouldn't be Frank Castle Frank anymore. Castle. He should be dead. should be... I love... I lo- Crank Castle. <laughs> This is stupid. <laughs> oh, you're a anyway. moron. <laughs> all right, so that's, I thought that was a good story. The connection with Storm, like you said, I thought that was all good. Yeah, I, I guess I didn't really like the astral fight. I I didn't, I don't know, I, I didn't mind it because I thought it was interesting just because, you know, we never, we've, we don't see much about how, like a Professor X, for example, finds his powers and figures out his powers. And now he gets to be the most powerful mutant in the world. Right. And I thought this was kind of interesting what happens here is kind of weird. The Farouk guy, why why he's bothered by Professor X, why they feel the need to have this fight to the death is right. kind of odd. Okay, he's, he's bringing psychic powers in his territory. I guess, and he wants Professor X to join him. Professor X says no, so they right. have to kill each other. I, that was a little odd, but I guess it makes sense. Um, I don't know. I, I thought it was kind of cool. Uh, just the, right. the astral plane stuff. I like the astral plane when it's done well. I guess I just didn't think this was the best. Yeah, it's example. not the best for for the first time it's done for him, which I'm guessing it is. I don't remember if they covered any of that before Giant Size or not. I don't. I know he reached out so. in his mind and stuff, 
I don't know if he ever like cast his form. Yeah. I, I can't. I just I can't. I don't remember. think so. I I think this is new. Well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe not. Some of my uh, ex historians that helped me out on this podcast uh, write in and let me know. Yeah, let us know because that'd be interesting to know. Because if this is, I feel the first like he one, had. Then it, then it's I feel like not it's not. Good. Then maybe it isn't as good, but. But you me, feel like it I is. Was it was the so one. someone write in me, Team Jason or Team Cameron. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Anyway, but I, I don't know for whatever reason. I I enjoyed it. I didn't love it, but I enjoyed right. it. The armor was kind of silly. It's like the guy looks like a samurai, and he looks like a conquistador. Neither of which seems to make all that much sense to me within the context. But but Mister um, X is a conquistador in the bedroom. Hello, <laughs> someone find Moira or Lalandra or <laughs> yeah. both, I guess. Oh yeah, or Jean. I did like the scene. I liked the panel, the couple of panels when the battle's over and they're just sitting there staring at each other. That part was fine, yeah. Professor X stands up and the dude just falls over. I the thought that future was, Shadow King crashes I on the I thought that table. was interesting that just that idea that so much is playing out in the world in this right. astral plane. You have this bar full of people who don't know what's happening and yeah. they're just kind of sitting there. I guess I just like this character a lot more when he becomes, which kind of is an aftermath of this. I mean, this kind of has to happen first for uh, Mott or Farrakh, whatever, to become the Shadow King. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, it, it's kind of a weird beginning to that, I guess. But I don't know. I thought it was interesting. I, I didn't like the... I thought it was weird him her convincing him to go with her. Yeah, I think that part makes sense. I mean... Does, I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't make she's sitting sense. Around, he's sitting around pouting. Right. She eventually is going to have to go back to space. She wants. To, she's in love with Professor X. Yeah, I guess it makes. I mean, it makes he's sense. in love with her, at least on some level. Though he's being mopey right now. She's the emperor right. of the world, so I guess it, the universe. I guess it makes sense right. that can't stay on a podunk backwoods planet like Earth. Yeah, with it bagel just seemed things. like a weird. That he's sad that his and he's got these other X. I don't know. It just seemed like a weird. I guess the the, the way Lalandra approaches it, because right. she approaches it with so much like people die. You got to get over it. It's like this we don't get just to choose when. It's like, this just happened. Did it's not it like though? it's been months. Well, yeah, because how long were they in the Savage Land? Not like that six long. Six weeks, right? Yeah. That's, that's enough time to get over losing all your friends. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> it's been a year since my grandma died, and I still get sad thinking Isn't about it. Has been a year? I think so. Wow. All right. Maybe. Bum this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, the point is, if you are, especially if you believe yourself to be the cause of the death of all these. Yeah. Yeah. Which that's classic professor. Professor X can't make up his mind whether he doesn't want to have any responsibility at all or (laughs) Or all all responsibility. responsibility. Yeah. But anyway, so to me, so that was weird that, and I guess that's her being an alien and that's kind of part of it. Yeah. Well, she's, she's cold blooded. So she's probably also cold hearted. Because everyone knows that aliens don't have feelings. Right. I mean, that's just, we know <laughs> No that. matter what race. TV, other than E.T. <laughs> Every alien. Except E.T. Yes. We know all aliens except E.T. And I guess Alf don't Alf. have any feelings. <laughs> that's where we're going, Alf. <laughs> I don't know. Why not? Yeah, he had feelings. He ate cats. <laughs> Mork and Mindy, I guess. Mork, just yeah, Mork had feelings. feelings. So anyway, so yes. but, but they have weird feelings. Even in the case of Mork, weird feelings. Anyway, so the the idea it makes me like an old guy. I wasn't alive when Mork and Mindy was out. So, was, um, or was I? Was that an eighty show or seventy yeah, show? No, I watched it in syndication. Yeah, me too. So anyway, so the point of this the whole thing is I, I that was weird. <laughs> what is the point? And that, he, that it's just weird to me that he's like, no, I shouldn't go. Okay, I'll go. Let's get out of here. And he thinks for a moment about these other kids that he's torn up about, but I guess he's like not worried about them. 
Also, why does he not still have the psychic connection to anybody? I don't know about that. We still What's have not on? yet to figure yeah. out why why he no longer. I guess because Mesmero, um, when he mind controlled him, maybe and broke it. Maybe, maybe. Or you know. would think when they got free and come back on, but maybe Professor X is maybe it's not Wi-Fi. Maybe <laughs> it's only three G. It's why it's not working yeah. out. There's no coverage in yeah. the so South then, and then Seas. This, this uh, scene at the airport is kind of silly. Yeah. Like Jean Grey's on her way there and yeah, Misty Knight's like... Or Jean Grey's on her way somewhere and Misty Knight shows up on her way to Japan. Oh, Jean Grey's going to stop. Oh, yeah. So that's why she's in Japan. What? Does it say why she's going? She says she's got a job. She's like, I got to help Colleen out on a job in Tokyo. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so we know why she, that she's there. Right. already but why she's there is still up for grabs exactly All right, well, so, yeah, so I don't know I the story was okay the art was okay it was John Byrne so it's still still really good comparatively like across comics in general it's yeah but it's, compared to John Byrne's art I thought it was average yeah it was really good it was middle of the road for John yeah, Byrne middle of the road and very it was very that's what I'm thinking of alright so I will say just real fast since I do have the classic X-Men there is a really cool Art Adams uh, pinup of Wolverine in the yellow and brown suit, which we haven't seen yet, walking through the snow. Oh, that is a nice one. thought that was a really cool panel, so I thought I'd point that out. All right, so what would you give uh, X-Men 117? I'd give it two. Okay. Two clock. Well, I don't know. Wolverine's not in it at all. No, just in the beginning. So for our purposes. I mean, he's on the raft. I'll give it a two because I-, I thought the story is decent. It's a decent interlude. Sometimes you get interludes and you're like, what right. does that have to do anything? I thought, you know, kind of showing what, where Professor X is at, the idea that everyone still thinks everyone else is yeah. dead. Yeah, I yeah. give it a two. I enjoyed reading it. Yeah, all right. Well, it's funny, as much as we kind of disagreed on that one, we're going to give it the same grade. <laughs> I'm going to also give Uncanny X-Men 117 two out of three claws. Wasn't super stoked about the story, but I liked the inner connect i'm a continuity whore i like when they do stuff like introducing young storm into the backstory of professor x I, yeah i do too i'm a sucker for that shit so that's why i loved lost so much yeah <laughs> so all right so anyway so we kind of debated but we both gave uh uncanny x-men 117 two out of three claws in the end well, let's go to the next one okay so next up is the uncanny x-men number 118 all right so for this one we have so yeah, Chris Claremont, John Byrne, co-plotting it, script by Chris Claremont, uh, pencils by John Byrne. In this case, we got, oh, Rick Viamonte is the guest inker. Okay. And then Tom Orzachikowski as the letterer. And then Glennis Wine as the colorer. So okay. actually, it is a whole different group, at least yeah. the inker <laughs> and the letterers. Right. All right. So this one... Right, covered by uh, Dave Cockrum again. What we Dave got? Cochran what we got on the cover. cover? Besides the triumphant return of Sunfire, our favorite to the character, flashback podcast, side by side with Sunflower, Sunflower, <laughs> sorry, called Sunflower, Sunfire. Um, I this cover I also don't like very much. No, I we, feel like I should like it, but then when I look at it, it's like it's like it has all the elements to be a cool cover. But it just doesn't quite do it. Yeah, well, so basically we have a big gold robot hand. Which looks like Thanos. Shooting a finger laser at Sunfire and hitting him in the chest, and he's flying back. And we have some of the X-Men behind him. We have Storm, Cyclops, Nightcrawler, and Colossus. 
But they all look weird. They all look wide. They all knew what kind of squatting. It's like they're squatting wide. And then you have Sunfire, which you'd think I would like to see Sunfire getting shot. Yeah, I wrote in my notes, would... I wish he was dying. Yeah. <laughs> but I, it's just, I don't know. The cover is just not, it's not up to snuff in my opinion. Yeah. Which, by the way, kind of impeccable timing. I kind of talked about this a little bit, but in the last Digital Wolverine episode, Sunfire showed up in the Marvel Infinite comic, Japan's oh, Most Wanted. Is he still such a jerk? Oh, you'll have to listen to the episode and oh, see. Yeah, actually, oh, talk about that. Oh, 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 there we go. So, I can't wait. Yeah. All right, so this one goes, we go, now we're done with all the Professor X business. Yeah. We're back to the ship. Japanese ship, Arctic Expedition. Turns out it had been on a two-year expedition, I think. Yeah. And so we get the six weeks of them traveling home. Yeah, so basically six weeks of them traveling home. So starts out with the ship. As they get to Japan, they find out, or they, they see, that the, the, there's been an earthquake. Right. That suddenly occurred, and then a firestorm after that. So we have right. this city, which I don't think is Tokyo. I thought it was Tokyo, is it not? At first I thought it was, but then I thought they used a different name for it. So I'm not positive. They mentioned Tokyo, but they're talking about the World War II bombing of Tokyo. Oh. I don't know. Anyway, so whatever the city this is, it's on fire. Uh, It's kind of mysterious because there's no aftershocks. Um, So they're all, you know, uh, suspicious that there's something to this, right? This is not just a regular earthquake. Um, So they start looking for Sunfire. I'm not exactly sure why, but they start looking for Sunfire. Uh, they're trying to get a hold of Professor X. Again, the psychic link, why that's gone, I don't know. Although now he's in space, so I guess it, right. it would make sense the psychic link is gone. Um, but they're trying to get it, they're trying to call them. The, these Japanese guys on the ship, they never explain what those guys were actually doing. Because they, they had research. Kind of secret mission, a delicate matter. Delicate, yes, yeah. But so you can't, they can't use the phone on there. So they got to find Sunfire. So they can use the phone to tell Professor X that Gene and Beast are dead, which they right. believe that, which we know that they're not dead. So right. in fact, nobody's dead. Nobody's dead. Everybody, everybody thinks, thinks everybody dead. else is dead. Yeah. Yeah. So they go, um, they find Sunfire. He's still a total jerk and tries to kill them, even though he knows them. <laughs> and then Misty, whose last name I always forget. Misty Knight. Misty Knight. You think I'd Knight? You think I'd remember that? But yeah, it's pretty. Anyway. Misty Knight suddenly shows up and says, you better not, Sunflyer, basically. Um, and the Prime Minister wants them okay. And then, of course, Sunfire yells at her. So, anyway, we have this weird interlude, or this weird idea that now Misty's here. Somehow she's connected to what's going on with Sunfire. Um, and then they make this reference where they decide to talk about Power Man and Iron Fist. Yeah. A commercial for Claremont, one of Claremont's I'll, other books. I'll come back to that. So yeah. anyway, so the overview. Anyway, they're at um, the place. We have Wolverine meets Mariko. Yeah, first time. We both commented that we didn't, off air, that we didn't remember she was Sunfire's sister. Yeah, cousin. Cousin, I mean. Yeah. But anyway, so he meets her. He ends up protecting her. Suddenly these giant robots show up called the Mandroids, which, horrible name. They show up. They break a bunch of stuff. They try to take the X-Men. They are powered so that they can defeat Sunfire, but they weren't expecting the X-Men, so the X-Men end up taking it to them. Right. Well, they're actually designed to defeat the Avengers. Yeah, designed for the yeah. Avengers, but the guy comments that, oh, uh, okay. we can take care of Sunfire. But they don't. Um, they defeat them, and then at the last minute, 
uh, Moses Magnum shows up and talks about how he's going to set the Magnum force on Japan if they don't make him the supreme ruler of Japan. Right. Or And he will sink Japan completely. Yeah, yeah that's what he's going to do. That's the whole story. Yeah, pretty much. So, do you think it was uh, worth pointing out that uh, the mandroids show up in the form of an earthquake and Wolverine saves Mariko from the earthquake? So we get kind of a first shot of, of why she might start to fall for him. Yes, he does save her in that. Yeah, yeah that is worth pointing out. I thought we probably would have gone back to that, but yeah. yeah. So, a couple of things you want to throw out. Yeah, um, I like uh, how the opening spread. The X-Men are all wearing matching sweaters. Yes, all <laughs> matching green, except for Nightcrawler. Except for Nightcrawler and Wolverine. He's just in his wife beater. Well, I don't know why Nightcrawler's still in his full costume. And At this point, Nightcrawler costume. doesn't wear anything else. I guess so. I guess it's the tail. Yeah, it's hard to get those in pants. And the feet. Yeah. True, so I guess he, he has no choice. I do think it's interesting that the ship, the Japanese ship, is... Part of the name is uh, another Star Trek reference. Yeah, it's called the uh, Jengishi Maru. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that first word right. Oh. But of course, you have the Kobayashi Maru is the, the training test in Star Trek. Oh, yeah. Interesting. And Claremont so continues to uh, poop out Star Trek references <laughs> through his X-Men books. Um, there you go. So the next thing I had is a few pages later. So you got anything else on these first on few the pages? Sp- the spread, two things struck me. One is how terrible the jets are drawn. Yeah, they don't look very good. They're really, like something an elementary school kid would Yeah, do, yeah. Which is strange, because the art, otherwise the art's really good on Yeah, the it is. This is one of his better issues, but yeah. But the plane is really bad. I also liked, this is just history. I like the title, The Submergence of Japan, and yeah. the, the lettering. Looks that was cool. good. Uh, just as a history nerd, Mona, I liked that they talk about the firebombing of Tokyo. Right. Which I thought was interesting because you don't hear much about that. And I mentioned off air, I talked about the movie Emperor, which I right. watched recently. And they talk a lot about the firebombings, um, which, you know, the, the atomic bombs get all the, get all the press. All the glory. It's dramatic, but the firebombings killed way more people than the atomic bombs did. Right. I mean, all together. And even single firebombings killed almost as many. Anyway, that was interesting. They referenced that uh, as the city being burned up. I like uh, Nightcrawler, though, kind of hanging on the pole. Like, he can't just stand and look. He's got to, like, show how acrobatic he is right. at all times. Up in the air. I thought, uh, one question I had. Okay. So, Wolverine reads Japanese, speaks Japanese. Oh, we're not there yet. <laughs> you said a couple of pages later. This all is right, two yeah, pages. All right. Yes, Wolverine can read Japanese. Okay. Did you have something before that? I was going to say... Um, there was a, the, kind of the confrontation between Cyclops and Storm that apparently Cyclops ru- rubs everybody the wrong way. Okay, Storm says something in the beginning about she won't even dare to try summon a wind. And then she's like, I'm going to try to summon a wind. Yeah. And that she was kind of finicky. Yeah, uh, that was kind of weird. Yes, okay, so page seven, we get Wolverine. First of all, I like his little peacoat that he puts on. Yes, I like the, I like the Wolverine peacoat. But Wolverine reads Japanese. Yeah. So that's a pretty... Which, we haven't established yet that his memories are all gone. No, no. We have no indication of any okay. of that. So we have a retcon thing here. Or something that's going to have to be retconned, basically. Because he says... Now, he, he knows he speaks Japanese, which I can I can buy into. He's lost his memory, but he still understands this. Can you? Kind of. Okay. I mean, it's, it's a bit of a stretch. But the idea that you see a word, you know what it means. If you've lost all your memory, the fact that you can read English is... 
you just learn, you just know how to speak. Okay. All so right. you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. you know, this language, you know what these words and phrases right. mean. So I'm okay with that. But he says, yeah, I was here when I was a youngster, a punk kid, youngster, a punk kid, uh, which he wouldn't have remembered. Right. So, no, yeah. we don't. We we gotcha. Can't talk about that yet. Um, <laughs> anyway, but I. I do think it's interesting though that it points out that they're working on a deep backstory. Yeah, yeah. like Wolverine's got a lot going on. He's mysterious. Yeah, and um, I like that he's when Scott says, "I didn't know you spoke Japanese," and he says, "You didn't ask." <laughs> yeah. I liked that a lot. I thought that was really funny, <laughs> well, that was even though you know, that's been done a lot. But I wrote that a Sunfire is still a dick. Still a dick. We got a, before that we get another bug plane. Oh yes, yes, the, the CR bug ship. CR bug ship, and a little quick make out between Professor X and Lalonde. Yeah, dude. She convinces him why it's right that, which they show this because their Cyclops is trying to contact Professor X. Right. He says, "I got to try to call him," and then they show actually he's in space, so you can't. Yeah. No service out there. AT and T has not gone to the CR Empire yet. Not yet. So, yeah, Sunfire, still a total dirt, total jerk, terrible mask, looks like a yeah. frog man. <laughs> well, especially in this pose, when he first shows up, Yeah, he's like hulking, kind of like a, a amphibious creature. Yeah, um, not cool. Uh, Colleen has the, the hots for Scott, hubba hubba. Now, who's Colleen? Colleen Wing is Misty Knight's partner. That's right. She, uh, she dated... Luke Cage at some point for yes, a while. Yes, yes. Where yes. they did the, the switch, so they didn't date the obvious person. But why is she also a samurai? That's uh, just part of her history. She trained with Iron Fist at some point, or did something. I don't really remember exactly. And how's she a daimyo? A what? A daimyo. What's that? Like a like a lord. Oh, I don't know. She says, I am Damio and Samurai. Because she's one of the daughters of the dragon. I do know that. Her and Misty Knight are the daughters of the dragon. So, Wikipedia it and see what they mean. <laughs> I don't really right. know. I, don't, I, don't, I haven't read a whole lot of their backstory. Yeah. Okay. But I know they're both Kung Fu experts. and I think they're stretching the meanings of those words. but Possibly. Because those but are like aristocratic wanna, titles. Yeah. I just want to say uh, in this issue, you know, we talked a lot about how John Byrne influences a lot of the modern guys. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of cases in this issue where characters have, and obviously it's Byrne doing it first, but a lot of characters have what I like to call McFarlane mouth. <laughs> and I can just see a lot of facial expressions where obviously influence Tom McFarlane later. Yeah, that's funny. So, I Sunfire here where he's arguing with Colleen in that in the frame you're talking about. Yeah. And then also when Wolverine and the Earthquake has kind of the it's kind of the slanty like Yeah. almost askew mouth. Anyway. That's funny. It's not as interesting. It is interesting. And we have the silly uh advertisement for Batman yes, and Iron Fist. Pretty much. Only and I only say it's silly because for one it's random. It's completely random. Scott's yeah. finding the phone and Misty Knight's on there talking to Power Man. I mean, Iron, Iron Fist. Fist. And then Iron Fist says, I wish I could help Misty, but quotation marks, Power Man and Iron Fist. <laughs> the company. Are negative I don't think cases. they're heroes for hire yet. I don't think they've adopted that. But why wouldn't he say Power Man and I? <laughs> because he's not, <laughs> he's not, he's on business, not personal nature. I guess so. Anyway, so that's kind of silly, but yeah. I also thought, so moving along a little bit, 
we have the the meeting with Mariko. Yeah. I thought it was interesting, and I don't know if they're just trying to be culturally accurate or if they're trying to make a, a nationalistic statement. But I thought it was interesting that you have the two American girls, Colleen and Misty, who are all sassy and in Sunfire's face telling him what's going on. Right. And then you have a page later, Mariko say, oh, I'm just a girl. I don't know what I'm doing. I think they're trying to show the difference in the culture. Yeah. I think also... So I am only a girl. I haven't the courage of this, my samurai cousin, Shiro. I think it's also just setting up her character. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not trying to peg them with racism or anything. I just, no, not a word for you. I, I thought it was an interesting... I think also part of that nature of her being more subdued is part of what really catches Wolverine. Yeah. It really makes him attractive and maybe, to And her. maybe they're not making a statement at all. And I just, to me, I thought... I don't know. I, 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 think, it, I think they're trying to, to show that... American women are sassy. Japanese yeah, women are, are not. subservient <laughs> or whatever. Or um, more subdued or... Yeah. I did think it was interesting that... Um, Wolverine says he should have stayed in the savage way and got no use for civilization. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was interesting. And it talks about how he has to hold back, you know, yeah. like in the real world all the time. Well, that's what he loved about the savage land. He right, just cut rip loose. into those dinosaurs. Yeah, right. I also yeah. thought it's funny that Wolverine says cripes. Oh, he says cripes all the time. Cripes. Back I, in this day. I always think it's funny. Which cripes I never is remember. Is that, is that a word. euphemism for crap or uh, Christ? I don't know. It's okay. not crap. I think it's either it's either Christ or it's just a just a, just word. a word that okay. is, yeah. I think it's British, right? And then a I don't know. I think it's like crikey. <laughs> That's Australian, Australian right? Isn't but it? I mean, I think it's uh, okay. the same uh, okay. connection word there. <laughs> crikey, crikey. <laughs> All right. So uh, they're meeting Mariko. We have this small discussion about how she's not brave. And then how she he speaks good for an American. Of course, he's got to tell her he's Canadian. Right. Got to throw that out there. Got to, he's proud of his Canadianness. I think it's interesting that she says that Shiro, Sunfire, has often spoken of Wolverine with much respect. Yeah. Because as much as Sunfire... Well, I actually kind of like it. Because as much as Sunfire hates all the X-Men, he sees... First of all, it sets up kind of Wolverine samurai background we're going to get later. Yeah. But true. also that, that... I don't know. If, if Sunfire was going to bond with any of the X-Men, it seems like Wolverine would be the right one. Yeah, well, not even bond, just respect the quality of Wolverine. You know, right. that Wolverine is, the, because of the power and the, the skill. Yeah, the, the fighting technique. Right, whereas it's like, you know, Scott's young, the other guy, well, you know, there's different things about them that, that Shiro can be irritated with or right. not like them or feel like they're below him. But Wolverine's, you know, he's old, he's, he's intense, he's powerful. I liked it. I also kind of liked the idea that it makes me like Sunfire a tiny bit more. Still right. not like him, but a tiny <laughs> bit more. Yeah. And the fact that he is that guy that's like an ass to everyone, but then behind the doors, he 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 actually does have respect for people. He right, just, right. He he's just can't. so He's so prideful, he can't show anyone respect. Right. But that it's not because he's... I, know, but I don't know, but it's like he, he still sees and recognizes. I like the duality of it. Yeah. I, th- I think the problem I have w- with Sunfire is, and I, I said this kind of in, in the last episode, um, and part of it is just his arc. I mean, when you always show up for a couple of issues every five or six years, it's hard to really develop the character. But I feel like he just doesn't ever really grow as a character. Like he stays just this whiny a-hole 
like yeah. for, well, this de- is for the, decades. This is the extent of his growth that he right. recognized. He, he respects Wolverine. Right. So now we get a little something. Oh, well, he's not just a complete jerk. Right. But yeah, but that's all you ever see. So he yeah. still basically is. But <laughs> yeah, but I like how the vulnerability between Logan and Mariko because before the earthquake comes, he's about to tell her his real name. Yeah. Which is pretty uh, shocking, really, for Wolverine's character to do that. Yeah, because we don't. I think we've only gotten that once. It doesn't come up a lot. Right. Once or twice. I'm not sure exactly how many times. Yeah, it's not many. Right. But yeah, I I agree with that. I thought that was that he's like, yeah, Wolverine. It's not a name, you know. It's like recognizing that. Then we have the big earthquake. Yeah. Then the mandroids show up, which I think is just a stupid name. It is pretty dumb. I don't understand the point of the name. Is they're androids with men inside? But then they're not androids. No, they're they're robots. When they're android like mech warriors, <laughs> an android is a robot that's like a person. I like their apocalypse tubes. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of cool. Yeah, I, I don't know this. Well, before dumb. we get to that though, on page twenty-two, oh, back it up. I really like the snicked on both sides of the hand. Oh yeah, that's. I, cool. As far as I, I know, I this is the first KT. interrupted snicked. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And that was really sweet. I like that he just obliterates that tree in the air. <laughs> what? I don't really like that, Mark. And he doesn't cut it. No, he, he just like, explodes. He like disintegrates it. Yeah, as if it was rocks. It just right. Yeah. But he hits it with so much power. It's like yeah, that. that makes his claws seem less sharp and more like blunt trauma. It's like that scene in Abraham Lincoln Vampire Killer where he just... I haven't seen destro- it. Destroys that tree. Did you ever see the preview? It's in the preview. Oh, with that when he's chopping it with he's the, got axe. the axe and he just yeah. hits that tree and it just, yeah. just explodes. Right. That made me think of that. <laughs> That's funny. That was a very disappointing movie. Well, you know. Random side note. Anyway, so these guys are here to take the government people. Yes. And Sunfire. And Sunfire. Why are there government people there? Uh, is the Prime Minister, I guess, is there? Is that what? I, I guess, guess that's what so. Misty and them are doing. Because she says she must the be Prime Minister him. told us. Yeah. I don't really know. It's not clear where they are or what they're doing. They're at Sunfire's ancestral home. Oh, that's right. But why yeah. the government people are at Sunfire's ancestral home. I guess he's important. Unless they're there because they've been... Or maybe they want... Well, I guess Sunfire the idea... is Japan's greatest hero at this point. Well, true. But I guess that they had been evacuated from the city. True. They got so to go somewhere. Where, maybe this yeah. is where they went. So well, they went to where Sunfire could yeah, protect them. Protected by yeah. Sunfire, which is right. sad for Japan that he's their only, he's their best hero. Yeah, that's not that's not very good. <laughs> well, he has the, the power of the sun. That's pretty powerful, really, dude. If he really had the power of the sun, he would be a lot more powerful. <laughs> you wouldn't think he. He can't seem to do. He'd much do anything. a little better for himself with that power. He's kind of a glorified pyro most of the time. Right. Anyway, these guys are catching the, trying to. Get the government people. Right. But the X-Men use teamwork. The X-Men use teamwork. They do good. They didn't anticipate multiple mutants using right. teamwork. Yeah. The teamwork's so what got them. Suits that could have destroyed the Avengers, which well, why shows you? us that the X-Men are much more powerful than the Avengers. Yes, it does. Sorry, Captain America, but it's right. true. Based on this story, <laughs> anyway. I got to So, um, we, earlier, when I first got over to Cameron's house, we were talking about, uh, the big breaking news, I guess it was late last night, but then today, uh, Ben Affleck playing Batman. We were talking about how everybody was bitching about that. Yeah. And uh, I saw a tweet uh, by actually one of our one of our followers, uh, Free Costin, put a tweet up 
about basically for everybody complaining about Ben Affleck being Batman, remember where our great Captain America started. I don't even know what movie it's from, but it's Chris <laughs> Evans and he's got like whipped cream on his nipples and his junk and he's naked. He's got like little cherries on his nipples. Oh, is that Friday Night Lights? Possibly. I don't know. I never. Oh, I didn't Isn't see there Friday a whole Night big Lights. Thing about whipped cream bikinis in that. I don't remember. I really don't remember anyway, that movie. I thought it was very overrated. Much about that movie either. Um, Apparently, the TV show is supposed to be really good, but I've never watched supposedly. it. Supposedly, I never saw it. I haven't watched it. But re- anyway, but uh, back to the comic. I I really like Nightcrawler's trick here. Yes, it's kind I of an, like a playground elementary school trick, but it yeah. really only works. Basically, he gets he gets surrounded by these two mandroids, and he kind of taunts them, and they're going to shoot at him, but he just teleports out of the way, and they shoot each other. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I like it. I think the name Mandroid cracks me up. <laughs> it because does. I, it's stupid. Because I feel like it's like a gay parody <laughs> of something. Okay. I don't know why. I, mean, I don't even like, know what you're referencing, but it makes me No, laugh. it's not referencing anything. It's just the name Mandroid. It sounds like it's a, it's, I don't know. It's like it's, it's a, a parody someone made up to, to create a gay android. They called him the Mandroid. Right. I don't know why. So we get Wolverine using his claws to slice open their helmet. Wolverine tears them apart. Yeah. I liked the Cyclops. The optic pulse. The optic pulse. I thought that was great. Mixed with Banshee's blast. Didn't like that part. <laughs> you didn't like that part. I didn't like that part because if they just would have said, if they just would have shown me Cyclops shooting an optic pulse and Banshee screaming and the guy dying, I'm fine. But because Claremont has to over-explain every damn thing and puts in that Banshee has to use the exact counter-vibration of the optic pulse. Well, the over-explaining is not what I like. Yeah. But, but that's good part and parcel of, of this era. Yeah. You know? Especially I just, I Claremont. Know. But, yeah. But, yeah, but I liked, the, I, I liked the idea of them using kind of counter-frequency waves that caused it to just fall apart. Right. I thought that was kind of cool. But Mariko, I like that she jumps out and yeah, tries to help. Yeah, she's not completely helpless after her. Uh, her stupid cousin. No, that was cool. Yeah, she jumps out to help him. We have Sunfire using his fire skills, and all it yes. does is make the guy more powerful. I don't really know how that works, but I like he, how Storm sends a freezing rain on him. Yes, which the idea that that Sunflower, sun, <laughs> Sunflower, is so powerful and he shoots fire at this guy and it just charges the guy's suit and then Storm throws some rain on him and his suit completely falls apart. Right. I have freezing rain, but still. Yeah. That's kind of funny. Well, it's kind of the same thing as what Cyclops and Banshee did. The opposite precise counter vibration. This is counter temperature. Then we get a thing with Colossus who kind of is, is the, I think the start of a trend for him where he reaches up through the ground and grabs things. <laughs> well, I thought that was kind of cool, but because backing up a little bit, we have Colossus having a big pity party. Yeah. He, about how he hadn't been any good. What did you, what'd you compare him to before we started? He said he was like... Oh, oh save that for the next one. Oh, I'm gonna, I have okay. a point to make with right. the next one. But yeah, no, so, no, 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 racing. so he has a pity party, and then he's like, I shouldn't even try. I'm going to give up. But then he tries, and then, of course, they knock him across out you know so far in the sky or whatever right and he's completely unsuccessful which is funny because he's having a pity party and then he does anyway but this kind of he gets his redemption when he's they threw him so far away but then it allows him to reach out of the ground and stop this van 
But does he know this van's... I guess he does, right? He knows they're bad guys? I guess. Because he's just on the basically in the road that is leading up to Sunfire's house, right? Yeah. Well, I guess maybe because of the direction it's coming, he's able to figure yeah. out. It's very uh, zombie movie, his hands yeah. coming out of the ground like that yeah, in the headlights. It looks cool, though. Yeah. So they were arresting uh, all the bad guys, and, and then, then Moses uh, Magnum. Moses Magnum. Good grief. So... With his receding fro. He's got a receding hairline. He's the master of the Magnum Force, which I decided is two things. One, obviously condoms. Yes. Condom reference. But also funny is I felt like Magnum Force totally sounds like the name of the G.I. Joe knockoffs that they used to sell in grocery stores. Uh, yeah, Tom Thumber. Yeah, all what those Eckerds. What was the store before Kroger? Eckerds? Oh, oh, uh, oh. Skaggs? Skaggs, Alpha Beta. Yeah, one of those. I don't Wind know, Dixie. one of those. Winn-Dixie, that's what I'm thinking of. That was another of. one. Yeah. I know Eckerds always used to sell them. Yeah. Eckerds, those I hated those toys because they were the right size, but they're all rubbery. Like, yeah, you could bend their arms. Apart, and they were... I mean, yeah. that's the idea. They were, you know, cheap brand, knockoff brand G.I. Joe's. Now, for some reason, because I was a dumb 80s kid, I did really like the knockoff Dreadnought, and there was a guy with the pink mohawk. Yeah. And he had, like, the, uh, he had pink and black camouflage pants. Yeah. There was a, there was one that I had that was a guy in a turban. Yes, yes. You remember that one? That was, uh, that was an international force, because you had the yeah. guy with the turban, and then you had, um... How was the other one? It was a set that you bought. It was like four or five figures. Yeah. I don't know. No. Anyway, the name Magnum Force, to me that sounds like the name of the, all those, <laughs> all those uh, rip-off con- uh, toys had names like that, yes. you know? Well, both of those options are better than what it actually is. Yes, I, I would agree with that. So, anyway, basically, we said this in the, the beginning part, but he gives them 24 hours for Japan to make him a dictator or he's going to sink the island of Japan. Right. With uh, presumably these earthquakes. And the things, Magnum things Force. Like. <laughs> the I almost want to say something really dirty, but I'm not going to. <laughs> and then there's a great ad for a kiss. Yeah, yeah. I guess they had a, a, is that a Greatest Hits album they had coming out? I don't know. It it's says, a milestone. Or, well, it's 1979. Oh. Uh, so I think this is right when they're big. Yeah. I don't know. I can't remember when they started. It was late 70s, 76, I think. 77. Right? Or maybe mid 70s. I don't know. Anyway. And they did a disco song, so they had to already <laughs> kind of been established. And they true. took their face faces off, like in the early 80s, right? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. When the, I was meant for loving you, baby. And they rolled around on Kiss roller skates. You know more about Kiss than I do. And more than I should. More than you All should. you need to know is the movie Detroit Rock City. I know I probably just hurt the feelings of a lot of our audience. Because for some reason, I feel like comic book guys usually like Kiss. Sure. I know. I would also throw in role models. Because they're a big part of that movie, too. And that's a pretty good movie. Yes. Yeah. Because Stifler is in love with Kiss. and oh, That's right. That's pretty funny. All right, so before we grade the book, you have any uh, closing thoughts on this particular chapter? This is a Wolverine's first time to go to Japan, which is a big part of his character. So that part's pretty cool. I'll just say, while you're looking through your notes there, I like the idea of Logan moving on, but it's kind of like, ooh, hot girl, Jean who? Yeah. Yeah, well, it, it goes back to what we talked about at the beginning with the movie, where you... 
they, we have the extremes where the movie right. went with a really long, drawn out. Right. He has all these dreams about Jean, and he's really got to deal with her. And then here, it's like no time at all. Right. But to be fair, he never really. No, he didn't. Got but they made a big her. deal the last few issues about how he really missed Jean and Cyclops didn't. Yeah. And I felt like. Well, Cyclops that was keeps talking about that. Right. But Wolverine did too. Talk about how much he missed him. Yeah. No, I'm mean, in this comic. So oh, the right. next one, Cyclops mentions it again. Yeah. Well, to be fair, I don't. I don't think. I don't get the feeling that it's Wolverine falling in love with her automatically, or. Yeah. I, no, I they don't really spell of, that out. But I think I think him about to tell her his real name. I don't know. I I feel like that's a very emotional. Thing. I don't think he's. I don't think he's trying to be a player <laughs> by by saying his real name. I think he feels some kind of real connection to yeah. make him want to do that. Yeah, but I, I guess to whether it's that, warranted yet or not. Well, the point that you made about the movie that you can still you don't have to completely get over yes, a person to right. then open yourself up. Right, to right, right, right. So I don't. I don't. I didn't see any. Okay. Any. Uh, you know, point there where he's jettisoning Gene and doesn't care about her anymore. Or right. I guess I did face. kind of contradict myself, huh? Yeah. A living, walking mouth. contradiction. <laughs> All right. Well, anything else about this before we grade it? Nope. All right. So uh, I'm going to give, since you gave the summary, I'll give the grade first and you can wrap up. All right. Uh, I'm going to give Uncanny X-Men 118. I thought the story was good and the art was pretty, pretty Good job, Burn. So um, I'm going to give the whole thing two out of three claws. I, I really enjoyed it, in spite of the how stupid the mand- mandroids are. Yeah, that was a good story. I really enjoyed the story, so I, I'm tempted to give it a three out of three claws. Go for it. It'd be a soft one, though. Yeah, soft, limp, wet noodle. Three out of three claws. Yeah, no, I think I'll still stick with two. Because the mandroids are just too stupid. And yeah. Magnum Force. Magnum Force. And I hate Sunfire. I just just hate Sunfire. <laughs> no matter how good the story is. Right. But um, I did enjoy reading it. I'm with you. I liked this more than the one before. But, uh, yeah. Yes. Still, I think... Yeah, still I agree. The, it's a very solid two for me. Yeah. Was the other one was a little more wishy-washy. Yeah, there you go. So. All right, well, let's move on to our last chapter of the episode. All right, so our last little chapter of... Flashback. Wolverine goes to Japan. Flashback! <laughs> it's Uncanny X-Men number 119. This is by Chris Claremont and John Byrne. Uh, written by, or scripted by Claremont, penciled by Byrne, eat by Terry Austin. Mine was re-lettered by John Costanza, who was the original. Can't stand ya. Uh, it's Costanza in here, too. Oh, okay. And then, uh, Glennis Wine, the color is still right? Yeah. Okay. Cover. Uh, we're continuing the Cockrum retrend. This one has basically all the X-Men attacking Moses Magnum in a make way for Moses Magnum. Nope. And they uh, won an Eagle Award, and they put that on the cover. Oh, yeah. And um, basically Moses Magnum is karate chopping everybody, all the <laughs> X-Men. It looks like it. And they're all going after him, and Wolverine's on top of a mandroid, which looks oddly like Nimrod. You remember Nimrod, Nimrod the Sentinel? Yeah. Looks like it Nimrod. Look yeah. 
Banshee looks Which, like now that I think about it, I think he was based... I think there's a connection there. I need to go back and reread my Nimrod back issues and see. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, so uh, anyway, I don't like this cover very much. I don't either. It's not... It's weird. I like that Sunfire is knocked out. I like... Yeah, <laughs> Sunfire laying on the ground. I don't... I think what, what messes it up, and in theory it could be a good cover, but what messes up is all the the flashing coming out of Magnum... Or, Mo, yeah, Magnum's hands. Right. Anyone talking he has a migraine... <laughs> Yeah, it's weird because it's not not clear what's going on. Yeah. It's strange. That's Moses Magnum. We we didn't mention he looks stupid. He does look stupid. He's He's got got like a 70s like Buck Rogers suit on. It does look like Buck Rogers. A solid white. Buck Rogers went to the disco. Yeah, disco Buck Rogers. Yep. He is not a cool looking character at all. Yep. All right, so of course what we have here is... uh, we realized at the end of the last issue, I don't remember if we mentioned this or not, but the Moses Magnum was actually a hologram that he sent to give them the message. Yeah. So he wasn't actually there. So that, now the X-Men, obviously they're not going to give in to his demands, so they got to figure out how to defeat this a-hole. So what they do is Nightcrawler teleports into the volcano base. So where did this base come from? It's how did they get to the base? They found it. They knew where it was. How did they know that? That's a completely... Because. Because I said so. Because they're, they're in Sunfire's house. Right. And the last page of the, ep- of the last issue. Well, obviously, they triangulated the holographic projection guess, to the location it came I from. I was very confused as to how they got here. You didn't see the guy off panel with the headset in the computer <laughs> trying to figure out where the call was coming from. Yeah. Well, I, I yeah. assumed Magnum just left his card. Yeah. I gave them his business card. Like, well, based on talk, the, based on what he's about to do in this plot, I don't doubt it that he was like, true. "Come find me," because basically, it was a trap. He has a James Bond villain level scheme <laughs> to to shake the plates, the tectonic plates below Japan, with the quote unquote Magnum Force from his quote unquote impenetrable base. <laughs> that the X Men immediately <laughs> penetrate. <laughs> penetrate with the Magnum Force. <laughs> Oh, no. I got to say that again so everybody can hear it because we giggled <laughs> over it. Yeah. We're going to penetrate with the Magnum Force. All right. Yeah, it's that kind of podcast. <laughs> so we get a help us, X-Men, you are our only hope from the Japanese government. So they go to attack the base with Sunfire and Misty Knight and Calling Wing tagging along. And they basically, their attack style is Storm and Banshee by air. And Cyclops and Sunfire tunnel in? Question mark? Yeah, it's not clear. From the, the main island of Japan, they're going to tunnel like under the into ocean. Into a volcano. Into a volcano. Do you think they'd learn their lesson after Magneto's volcano base just to Dude, stay the hell so. away from that? But anyway, they fight, but Magnum's more powerful than reported. Who reported him? <laughs> well, he's fought the Avengers and stuff before, so I guess there's files. Oh, I guess so. But Colossus, who has been excessively mopey to this point, turns the tide, and Magnum retreats to further into his base to go ahead and destroy Japan. Uh, but Banshee versus Magnum in an energy fight, and there's a giant explosion with double exclamation points, and blows up the whole island. Then, then there's a search party by Misty Knight, and she finds the X-Men on tiny little rocks in the sea, but Banshee is in a coma. 
But luckily, he gets a little Christmas spirit and wakes up just in time for the holiday. And Wolverine goes after Mariko. Ten days later. Yeah, ten days later. Um, Jean comes to Scotland. And <laughs> and probably my favorite part of the issue, the guy they stole the hovercraft from, <laughs> where they were going to go to Muir Island. A long time ago. <laughs> a long time ago. He's enacting his revenge on Muir Island. Apparently, for all these issues. Yeah. He's, he's been, been trotting away. Them. I think he lost a lot of money on that hovercraft, and he's been saving up for dynamite. But he takes dynamite to Muir Island, and he's going to blow it up. But, uh-oh, Mutant X gets him. Dun-dun-dun! Dun-dun-dun. That's, that's basically it. Yeah. So. The hovercraft revenge really is the saving grace of this that issue. That is the best part of it. That. Is that is by far so the funny. best part. That is so funny. <laughs> All right, so... We've already complained about how they get to the, the volcano. How they find it, how they get there. Yeah. That's weird. I like the Nightcrawler teleports onto the ledge inside the lip of the volcano. Yeah. But I like that he gives a six-paragraph explanation of how <laughs> it could have gone wrong, but right. he did it just right this time. I could have teleported right into molten lava. Ooh, that would suck. Yeah, that was kind of funny. Um, I do thought, I thought it was cool... And of course, these are the same two characters that actually saw him do it. So I guess it's not, maybe not as cool as far as team-wide as I thought. But kind of the reference and worrying about Wolverine's kill streak. He knocks out the guard, Nightcrawler does, and says, Wolverine would have handled this differently. But I haven't his instinct for the jugular. Yeah. I like how they refer to the base as an erector set Disneyland. (laughs) That's pretty funny. And I thought Nightcrawler looks really cool, but I'm wondering if we still have invisible power at this point. He still has it. Yeah, they haven't really written that out yet. Yeah, because he used it uh, in the last cycle, I think. Yeah. The last uh, arc, I mean. (laughs) I like like how the guards are running the wrong way. There's this giant (laughs) arrow on the floor. Yeah, that's really funny. Really random irony. I don't know why they drew that arrow. Besides to make the guards look stupid. But, um, yeah, that was funny. That was pretty um, funny. This, this episode, uh, this episode, this issue is... It's cheesy as hell. It's, but, fu- it's funny. I mean, yeah. it's not, I don't know how deliberate it is. I don't know either. That's the part I'm having trouble discerning. I think it discerning. might be, but I'm not sure. Yeah. But, yeah, so that, that, the arrow and then running the other way is funny. It's just like, it's just a random silliness. I'm going to say in page nine, I thought it was funny, the uh, the advertisement for sexy 70s posters. Yeah, that was And just how funny. different that is. Well, I thought it's funny that it's five sexy posters and then one of the Coneheads. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> who, well, who decided? Well, their heads do look like them. erections. Uh, that is true. I guess so there you go. Makes they sense. saw that hot poster of Linda Carter. And they're like, ooh. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Uh, the panel of Cyclops blasting through the ground is really stupid. Because <laughs> it's so big. But I, so, so basically, am I reading this right? Besides the fact that Wolverine's like wiping sweat off of his brow. So Cyclops is pulverizing the earth. And then Sunfire is like melting the rocks like almost into glass. That's, I don't know about glass, but. Well, I mean, that's what you do though, right? You burn, you, you heat rock so hot that it like freezes almost, right? 
I guess, or petrifying it yeah. or something, I guess. So the tunnel won't collapse on him. Yeah, I mean, that's what he's doing. I don't know yeah. what, what the actual process is, I guess, but... Yeah, that's what it looks like. So, and it creates a very large bullet sized tunnel. Yeah, Cyclops is really uh, really doing his job here. The the image of uh, Magnum hitting Cyclops or Colossus. hitting Colossus in the back is kind Colossus of Colossus who comes to the floor again. Comes to the floor again. Yeah, but he's master of the earth. So no one moves through it without my being aware of them. Yeah, somehow he recognizes. So he's in tune with. You think that'd be a wee bit overwhelming? If everything in the earth earth you felt. Yeah, Yeah. you'd think so. Every zombie. So here's the funny point that I was going to make, or or interesting point that I was going to make earlier. So Colossus gets knocked down by Magnus, and he has another big pity party. Right. He says, once again, I've let my comrades down. He says, I'm supposed to be the strongest X-Men, yet of late I have been... I have been as much used to them as walking punching bag. (laughs) So then he says... He has been getting punched a lot. Right, he has. So and then he for says, a heavy metal dude, he sure does fly pretty well. Like he gets punched true. like cartoon Looney Tune, like across yes, he space. he does fly around. Yeah. So, but then he says, that will happen no more. So how he's going to earn his keep. Well, and with finger breaks. Right. Yeah, finger breaks. So when I wanted this, now obviously I knew this isn't going to happen because I know the future. Right. But it reminded me of Warpath. Thunderbird. Thunderbird. We, we always, always make that mistake. Yeah. Thunderbird. Because I thought, this is exactly what Thunderbird did right, right. before he died. <laughs> right, 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 right. So the idea of recognizing having a big pity party and then deciding, I'm not going to let this happen again. I'm going to go do something so bold that ultimately kills yeah, Thunderbird. I didn't really think about it, but now that you say it. And I thought, this would. It's it like feels they're like setting him up to die. Yeah, yeah, they're setting him up for him to do the same thing. Now, He's a lot better character than Thunderbird and much more powerful than Thunderbird. Well, he's who, better, but he's also a lot more developed, so it's hard to really... Well, I meant better as far as his powers go. Yes. Because Thunderbird, yeah. as you used to like to say, was kind, was of, kind strong. of strong. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas Colossus is steel, so he's yeah. not going to die in the same kind of way. But, right. but anyway, that's why I thought about that. I thought that was kind of funny. And we have Magnus punch Wolverine in the face. He backhands Wolverine. Backhands like a little Wolverine bitch. in the face. Man. Well, he says, I am power. I am power. I am power. <laughs> Kenny Powers. Kenny Powers. Yeah. So the Mandroids. So we, we get an explanation of how Magnus powered up that he did all this. He's gained a lot of power since he fought the Avengers and Iron Man. Yeah. So he's more powerful now. But... He doesn't want to waste his time killing the X-Men. Right. It's classic uh, villain. Classic villain scenario where it's like, right. I'm not going to kill you. Right. I'm going to let these underlings kill you. Yeah, I do think the Mandroids look cooler in this issue. They look a lot cooler. Yeah. I don't know what the difference is, but they look a lot cooler. Name is still stupid. but Yeah, the, yeah. Now they just look like robots. They look Actually, they look like um, Metroid. Remember that old game, Metroid? Oh, yeah. That's kinda. what they look like to me. Oh, this is also another point that I thought was I thought that I thought this was really funny. So, what's his face? Magnum says, "I could destroy you, but uh, why waste my power?" And he says, "I'm going to let my Mark II Mandroids destroy." Oh, you. that's why they look better. They're advanced. They're advanced. They look cool. And then Cyclops says, "Oh, brother." <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Which is funny because that's what I said in my head when he said, I could kill you, but I'm going to let these robots kill you. I was like, oh, brother. No, we're saying, oh, brother, like that stupid. Cyclops was saying, oh, brother, like, man, I'm, I'm going to get it. I guess. I don't know. He's, oh, brother, I picked a heck of a time for a one-man stand. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's saying, oh, brother, about himself. Right. And we're thinking it about the man. I just thought that made me laugh out loud, too. Another episode of, of being laughing yeah. out loud. But then Colossus does redeem himself, so that's pretty cool. Colossus um, redeems himself. And so, in case you were wondering, right, so Magnum is more powerful than reported. Where does this extra power come from? Well, Banshee tells us. It's from cocaine. Is he? he says, heads up, Sean B. Bucko, Magnum's taking a powder. <laughs> he's going go, to go do a little blow. Yeah. Yeah, that's where his power comes from. Get powered up. Yeah. So, but no, we get his real origin, and this is a stupid, 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 stupid origin. Very stupid. Moses Magnum is ridiculous, it's and I hate him. a very bad show, or a bad, bad character. I hate him. Um, I will say in the letters pages, just take a quick purview over there, um, the question mark, Jeff Daniels, writes in to bitch about all the drama in the X-Men book of late. Jeff Daniels? Yeah, Jeff Daniels writes in. The real Jeff Daniels? I don't know. Uh, I'm pretending it is. Oh, yeah. Well, if we're, gonna, if we're pretending, I'll go for it. Too. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then Banshee screams so hard. <laughs> How contorted his face is. Yes. Um, but he screams so hard that he... It's page 22 if you want to look at it. Yeah. He cuts through right. the volcano. All, all the X-Men are like covering their ears, but Colossus is sticking his fingers in his ears. Yeah. And so, that is ridiculous. Because this doesn't make any sense to me. Am I, am I understanding this right? That Magnum is about to blast out of the mountain. Some kind of power thing. So right. Banshee screams and sends sonic blasts that cut through the mountain and block Magnum's power blast from getting out of the mountain which is what then causes it to explode that's what i thought happened there but that doesn't make any sense but i'm still pretty sure that's what happened uh, what <laughs> right because he so says magnum's trying to make an earthquake right so magnum and banshee's trying to counteract the energy somehow right so magnum goes to talks about him going into the shaft and all this weird stuff that we avoided so <laughs> wait a magnum in a shaft <laughs> in an impenetrable base into the shaft his laser drill had bored to the center of the earth right so we yeah. get all kinds of weird stuff so anyway so he's in this space he's trying to create an earth didn't the sun god and the savage wind fall into the center of the earth I think he did. There's a lot of a lot of ways to get to the center of the earth in the Marvel well, universe. You know, journey to the center of the earth. So here Banshee says, I've got to slide a wall of sound across the base of the island. Counter energy with energy, block Magnum's beam, then reflect it back on itself. Oh, so Magnum but is gonna Magnum's send a, beam is to be going down. Is that what you're getting at? I don't know. Well, like, why, would his, why would an earthquake beam go in the air? It should be going to well, the ground. That's irrelevant. The fact that the point is that that Banshee screams, and it cuts a, a wall of sound that goes through the mountain, right, to reflect another power beam. Is that right? That what I have? They're trying to cancel each other out, right? Because Magnum feels it and says he has to increase his power output. They're not canceling <laughs> each other's out. He's reflecting it, so it's going to bounce back off of this scream. Up and the magnum the force mountain. needs to get harder. Get a blow. <laughs> oh man. Oh man, magnum force. Magnum force. 
All right, so I don't know. Anyway, the, the damn island blows up. Yeah, somehow from blows the energy up. fight. The battle rages for a seeming eternity, and then in the twinkling of an eye, is over. Yep, it blows up. <laughs> then which one is it? Is it an eternity or the <laughs> twinkling of an eye? And I don't think you can have it both ways. Yeah, Zion blows up. Some time later, they're rescued. But like you said, uh, Banshee's in a coma. Then they talk about there's a hundred islands that have disappeared. It's a lot. Yeah. Uh, then we get some kind of forced irony because Gene thinks they're dead. Yeah, we're back to this. Everyone thinks everyone's dead. And we have this way. Here's another thing. It's ten days later. Right. They still haven't contacted anybody. No. <laughs> Misty Knight's been on the phone the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> They're having a Christmas every, party. Every time Cyclops goes and uses the phone, Misty Knight's uh, booty calling Iron Why wouldn't Cyclops say fist. to Misty, hey, did you know Gene is dead? Because Cyclops thinks Gene's dead. Right. So why wouldn't he say to Misty, you know your roommate and one of your best friends is dead? And then Misty could say, no, hey, she's, she's not, not dead. I just saw her. I just talked to her on the phone. <laughs> so it's a weird thing that 10 days go by and... Right. But I guess that adds to Scott's whole sociopath thing where right. he just didn't care. I was talking about this Banshee <clears throat> uh, hospital thing. Yeah. I, I like the, I mean, I thought the fight was dumb, but the fact that he overextended himself and went to a coma is kind of cool. And the fact that when yeah. he's healed, he has to whisper, I mean, that, that was a nice touch. That was interesting. Okay. So, so does the surprise of the Christmas party and the welcome back Sean Merry Christmas banner make up for being huge jerks and making Banshee thinks he's all alone and isolated in Japan at Christmas <laughs> like he wakes up and nobody's there like wouldn't the right thing to do is have one X-Men be there <laughs> and act right they're just oh you don't have to ruin the surprise yeah you know just say oh we're gonna go home everybody else went back to New York you've been out for a long time like, all the X-Men got home. We're going to go to the airport and get on a plane and go home. He's like, oh, man, I'll be flying in or whatever. So you're saying instead what they should have done is the birthday party scenario the where, Christmas you, part. where you pretend you're taking someone out right, to eat. Right, right, And then there's a hall of your friends there. Right. Instead of what they did, which is the where you pretend like you forgot their birthday. <laughs> and then you have the party show up at the right. last minute. You make them feel horrible about themselves. <laughs> ruin the whole day. Right. The right. whole birthday is and ruined. It, and expect that one little banner and a Christmas tree is going to make up for it. Yeah. Well, you know, Storm's in a kimono. Storm is in a kimono. She means something. She likes Japan. Although Colossus has got a weird face in these two panels. He's super, like, leave it to Beaver, Smiley. He is, and he looks like, I don't know, he looks like somebody, but I can't think of who it is. Yeah. So, of course, uh, Colossus gets homesick. Storm gives Nightcrawler a peck on the cheek. Oh, Nightcrawler looks very happy about it. He does, and I think him and Colossus both like Storm at this point. Yeah. So, I don't remember there being a lot of drama there, but I'm kind of looking forward to seeing how that develops. Yeah, if there is some, but we just don't remember. Yeah. Uh, But I like how Wolverine... Uh, he's gonna he's gonna chase after Mariko. Yep, he's gonna go find her. So and then um, we jump to Jean Grey in Scotland, reuniting with uh, the guy, the other guys who left when the new X Men showed up: Alex, Moira, Lorna, Jamie. Right. And then of course yeah. the great <laughs> hovercraft guy. <laughs> Best part of the story. Yeah. So I will mention we haven't had one in a while, and this is actually the last time I'll talk about it because this is the last issue of Classic X Men I have. After this, I'm going real issues. So straight um, digital. 
Yeah, well, you'll keep going. Yeah, you'll keep going. But there is a backup story that focuses on Wolverine, and he fights a hunter. Meh. <laughs> Not so good. Not much to it. All right, so uh, closing thoughts on this issue. You know... I thought the art was pretty good. The art's pretty good, That's except about the faces the... at the very end. Yeah. I think the story is bad. It's horrible. But it's got really funny parts. I think there's parts of this issue that are so bad it's good. Yeah, that, that's where I was getting at. I think okay. that's what this comic ends up being so bad that it's because it, I just I laughed enough in it. I did, but I, I hated all the Moses Magnum stuff. Like I just that that's a worthless character. Yeah, I agree. His origin is just stupid as all get out. He looks dumb. But anyway, that's kind of kind of my take on it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree. So you're saying it's so bad. Is that what you're going to stick with? It's so bad, it's good? So what are you going to rate it? I still give it a one. <laughs> so it's not that good. It's not good. It's it, it's so bad, It's in, I, I still enjoyed reading it. Was it was amusing. Yeah, I, yes. still, I enjoyed reading it because I laughed yes. at several parts. Yes. But it's still not a good comment. It's not so bad, it's good in the, in the sense that it, it makes it into a good, worthwhile read. Right. But I still enjoyed reading it because I had a good time laughing about it. Yeah. Right. I guess that's the way I would put that. Yeah, I'll buy that. Right. Well, I also gave uh, Uncanny X-Men 119 one out of three claws. I just, it, it was funny, but I, I don't know if I can really, I was amused, but I don't know if I really enjoyed it. So anyway, we're both going to give uh, Uncanny X-Men 119 one out of three claws. So suck on that, Magnum Force. <laughs> Which that should have been my name. Yeah. Instead of Psionic Nexus, that should have been Magnum Force. Jason Magnum Force. Yeah, that would have yeah. worked. All right, let's uh, we'll wrap up the whole episode here in just a sec. All right, so that's gonna uh, do it for the episode. Um, flashback, <laughs> flashback, Japan. So uh, I guess we'll do what we kind of uh, always do. We'll talk about the the overall contributions to Wolverine's lore and or legacy or whatever. So um, well, obviously the big deal is he meets Mariko for the first time. Pretty big part of Wolverine's history revolves around. What some might argue would end up being the truest love of his life, maybe. Depends on how you interpret it, I guess. I mean, depends on how much you put stock in a rose from origin. Or some people might argue Jean. Or some people might say Silver Fox. But she's in the top five. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, when you live as long as Wolverine, you have a lot of love interest. But Mariko is definitely a very important one. Yeah. And so... Seeing the beginning of that relationship was pretty cool, pretty exciting. Wish the stories around it would have been a little more interesting. And we talked about, when we talked about the reading Japanese part and that he'd been there before, so we definitely get insight that there's a lot more to Wolverine than we know about. Yeah, that's so that, important. That part's issue. really cool. And I don't know exactly, like, if Claremont was already starting to think about all the samurai stuff or not, or... If he looked back on us and said, hey, I should make Wolverine a samurai, let's do that. <laughs> I don't really know, like, chicken or egg, what came first, but it definitely lends itself to what is going to be a very long interwoven history and storytelling between Wolverine and Japan. That's kind of what I, why I wanted to carve these issues out separately instead of doing, like, a year five or whatever right. all together. Because I feel like Japan is very integral to who Wolverine is as a character. Yeah, I agree. And since this is the first time we see him go there in the comics, definitely wanted to kind of isolate that a little bit. Yeah. So anything else really jump out at you about about Wolverine and kind of his character and development? 
I like the softer side that we saw in Marco's relationship. Yeah, I was gonna. I was thinking that that idea of him, you know, starting to give his real name and that he, he quick. It's a quick soft side too. Which yeah. I, maybe that's what you were getting at earlier. Not so much that it's a a betrayal of Jean necessarily, no, just but a, it's just how quickly he opens himself up to her. Right. Which yeah, almost like <laughs> maybe that's kind of Claremont's thing. Is it's almost reminiscent of. The Professor X Lelandra thing. Yeah. Like they're just, it's very much like love at first sight. Yeah. Maybe Chris just, Claremont's really into love at first sight. Yeah, must be. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder if that's because he saw someone and loved them immediately and got married, or if he was really heartbroken by falling in love very quickly and not like being unrequited. So that's why he I writes about it. That'd be good. We to should have, out. what is it? Is it Cody Bang Bang where they always talk about getting to the actor's pain? Yeah. <laughs> We should have Claremont on here do an interview and get to his inner pain. Yeah, what makes him tick? What makes right. him right? Anyway, yeah, I thought that it was kind of odd, but it wasn't odd in a put-offish kind of way. It was just kind of a funny, quirky kind of way. Yeah, well, and if it wouldn't have worked, I don't think in that era you could do a longer, drawn-out Well, no, because of no other reason. The, I mean, we knew the X-Men weren't going to stay in Japan for more than a couple of issues. Right. So he had to, if he was going to establish a relationship with the native of Japan, it had to happen pretty quickly. Yeah. And, it, you know, yeah, if it was a whole lot of where he saw her and then he saw her again, and there's too much right. logistics getting them in the same place so many times. Yeah. So it kind of just had to happen quickly. I'm curious because I, you know, just the next flashback episode we do will be uh, the introduction to Alpha Flight. And I'm <laughs> curious how we get from, because Wolverine ran off after Mariko. I wonder. If we'll see any of that now, or that'll all show up in flashback later. Like, he's just going to suddenly be back with the X-Men and the start of next issue, or if we'll actually see some more of that relationship now. So, so I'm curious. I actually haven't read those issues yet this time around. I read them a long, long time ago, but I don't remember. Yeah. Isn't there an annual in between? Well, there's an annual... annual show up later. The annual, all right. So there. I guess I'll give that disclaimer now. Um, we originally were going to do uh, X-Men King Size Annual 3, because publication-wise, it came out at the same time as these issues. But there's actually an editor's note in the issue itself that places the story between issues 124 and 125. So we're going to save it for that. So that's not not this Alpha Flight story. Those will be 120 and 121. All right. So, so. it's not in that annual. No. That's why I was wondering oh, if maybe yeah. it was no. in there. No. All right. Um, well, never mind then. Yeah, that'll no. be interesting to see. If yeah. they if they do anything with this, or if it'll just be something that we'll see along later. Yeah, I I don't know how anything else to add, but I do think like you, I agree, it's a pretty important, a couple of important developments. Yeah, and some somewhat not important stories. <laughs> right. All right. Well, anything else you want to say before we uh, do our obligatory plugs and I don't guess so. shameless promotion? Shameless promotion. I don't guess so. Okay. Well, um, as usual, please leave an iTunes review. Helps. Uh, Pump up the show. If you want to see show notes and stuff, you can go to the website. That's uh, snickcast.podbean.com. Like us on Facebook. We need some more likes. So you can either search for the podcast that goes snicked, or the actual URL is facebook.com slash snicked podcast fan page. Our Twitter handle is at snickcast, and email is snickcast at yahoo.com. If you have any questions about, like, X-Men history or whatever, feel free to 
throw those that way too or you know you want to know what we think about different characters as we encounter them we try to kind of give overviews but i don't know maybe there's something specific you want to know email is a good way to get that across and of course always those of you that have been helping us when we get stuff wrong or maybe don't know stuff and we say we don't know we've been getting a lot of good answers so definitely keep that coming i really appreciate that yeah so cameron uh plug your stuff what do you got going on right now I got nothing going on. Nothing. All right. Nothing in my life. New dad. Have you uh, have you sent your baby off into the future yet? <laughs> I'm working on it. Okay. I'm working on getting a cable. Right. Getting the baby cable out of here. <laughs> no, I still have my podcast. We do historybanter.com. Check it out. Yeah, Review it's good. history movies. It's, it's pretty good. We did a couple of Vietnam ones recently. Yeah, that, that was a good episode. Pretty good. So anyway, and we, we haven't. I guess we haven't talked about that yet. And we all made the same mistake. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Basically, we all thought Platoon was what was the movie called? Called um, Not Casualties of Casualties War. Casualties of War. Yeah. yeah, we all had all had that movie mixed up. We had which the same a, mix up. A fantastic movie, Platoon, which right. we all confuse with a very mediocre movie, <laughs> Casualties of War, which was. I think because subconsciously I refuse to believe that Oliver Stone had a fantastic movie. And Charlie Sheen. And Charlie Sheen. Yeah, it it doesn't sound like it would be, but. Sean Penn and Michael J. Fox. That doesn't really sound that much better either. But I like Sean Penn a lot. I do too, but Michael yeah. J. Fox. Yeah, he's good. If he's not traveling in time, I don't care about Frighteners Michael J. Fox. is an underrated movie. What is? Frighteners, an old Peter Jackson film. No, I've never seen it. All right, so I'm sorry I hated on Michael J. Fox then. Why you gotta hate? You just... I, I should get some soft story about how my dad has Parkinson's, but he actually does. It might make me sad. <laughs> so, man, we'd bum this podcast yeah, out multiple Debbie times. Debbie Downers, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, get your uppers before you listen to the rest of this. No, well, probably by this too point, late. you're already yeah. crying in so your call, beer. I'm call sure. the suicide hotline. <laughs> Don't drive off the road if you're driving right. when you listen to this. Well, just step back from that ledge, my friend. No. You're out of that, I guess. No, 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 no. Totally. Kind of a live beard. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Who is Stephen that? Stephen Jenkins' wide beard. Uh, third Eye Blind. Oh, yeah, Third Eye Blind. Yeah, yeah. I think his name's Stephen Jenkins. That sounds right. Uh, maybe. Yeah. I, I hope, have a I, hope I don't beard. know. He was like Justin Stone. Justin <laughs> Stone. <laughs> he went across between Justin Stone and Everlast. That's funny. So, anyway. All right, well, let's get out of here. Um, until next time, uh, hugs and snicks. Bye. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs>